What's happening? Thanks for tuning in to the Curious Cats podcast with me, Ricky Spears and Chris Walton. All right, stop going on about it. We've got you the CEO of one of the fastest growing sports and nutrition brands out there. Alan Barrett is the CEO of Grenade. You've probably heard of Grenade if you're into that kind of thing. If you haven't, you'll probably start to see their bars around after listening to this podcast, hopefully, because they are in the likes of Marks and Spencer's, they're in WH Smith's, Costa Coffee, the sort of places that probably would never have stocked protein bars a couple of years ago. They've managed to do something quite remarkable in that all their products taste very good and they are low sugar. Alan grew this company from absolutely nothing to it being valued at 72 million on its last uh, round of funding. So we get the story where it started behind that, what that's been like for Alan and a bit more about Alan and what drives him. So thanks so much to him for coming on. Please enjoy it, Alan Barrett. Uh, well, firstly, Alan, thanks a lot for having us. We appreciate that your time is pretty pretty valuable these days. So we, we appreciate you having us oh, up here. Welcome, guys. Thanks for badgering the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, so, that was Rick for you, right? On social, social media saying, please can we way. go, no, go away. Cut please, we really want to go, no. <laughs> just no, go away. So persistence really did pay off. So <laughs> you're welcome. Thank you. Sorry it's taken a while to schedule in. No, it's, not um, at all. Not yeah. at all. And also, I just wanted to say, like, from one person to another, like, congratulations on, like, this company and how quickly it's... Well, I say how quickly it's grown. We'll get into the story of it. It looks like an overnight success, doesn't it? But Yeah, they always do. I know do. for a fact yeah. it isn't, but, yeah, congrats on building a wicked brand in a really, really crowded market and a massive company. Like, thank you. I mean, thank you. Well, the thing is with us as well, we don't really... We don't probably consider ourselves successful, I think, when you've been, when you've been in it. Or you are, you know, when you are in it, um, you just every day you take every day as it comes, and you've got the plans and things that you want to do. Um, but I suppose it's not until you look back. Yeah, we have done a lot, but I think because there's so many more things that we want to do. Yeah, we just kind of. I always, Stop, you know, I say a lot. Over. We're just getting started. Yeah, you know what I mean, and I always say a lot. Um, you know, we just hit the reset button and go again. Yeah. Because um, with a brand, it's just, it's never finished. Yeah. So there's always stuff to do. I wish it was finished, frankly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm quite tired. Which um, I think is probably a good place to start, really. I know you've probably told the story more times than you care to, but just take us back to when it was born, really, like when it was first uh, come about, like the first seed of, of Grenade. Uh, I mean, yeah, so with, with Grenade, so we we started selling we incorporated the company in 10 years ago pretty much today actually it was um it was august 2009 but we didn't have the product ready and start selling until february 2010 so we always consider that as like the, the true birthday plus we had no plans to do anything in august this month so we thought we'd do it in february <laughs> next year and make it our official it's like the queen we've got multiple birthdays yeah. um so we'll, we'll do it then but so Prior to that, you know, I'd been a sports nutrition distributor for the and, in, and been in the industry for, I mean, this is coming up now to like my 29th year, something like that. So where we kind of hit the ground running, we knew a lot of the people in the industry. We'd seen a lot of stuff come and go. I say we, you know, it's my wife and I, Jules, and I founded the business. And I'd worked in gyms for 
uh, nearly 10 years, so I'd spoken to a lot of consumers. And I think, actually, we probably didn't realise how much we knew. You worked just... in gyms as a distributor? No, I like... worked in gyms as a, as, we'll say, as a personal trainer, but I'd never actually got any personal training qualifications, so <laughs> I'm actually an unqualified <laughs> fitness instructor. Um, this is the technical definition. But no, I, I dropped out of college when I was 17 and just went straight to... And I'd already been um, training at my uh, a gym in Birmingham. I'd been there since I was in work experience. And I was 14 years old, 15 years old, and uh, weren't even I, employed there. He just he just came in every day. Uh, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, so I, I went on work experience, and they just never got rid of me. And um, I just I hated school. And I've spoken a lot on podcasts and stuff about just hating school, but it just wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. And I just wasn't I wasn't learning anything that I wanted to learn. And I was always really interested in performance and supplements and training. And, um, yeah, I dropped out of college when I was 17. I got straight on the number 11 bus, and I went to, like, the, the gym I was training at, so I needed a job. I've dropped out of college. Have you I always hope... been from around here? Or? Yeah, Birmingham, yeah. So yeah. I was born, born in um, Soldy Hill, lived in Birmingham my whole life. And then, um, uh, yeah, then we've, got, we've, we've moved around a lot in terms of the offices. We're going to Coventry and coming back again. But, yeah, so only 10 miles from where we are now. So I've always been in the local area. And, um, yeah, I, uh, I went to the gym and uh, got a job for, it was 70 quid a week. And that was probably, I mean, it was the late 90s, but it, it wasn't a lot of money then. Um, I was living at home and, uh, yeah, everyone, my parents went nuclear. Um, <laughs> but I, um, but I've, I've always done what I've enjoyed doing. Right. And I think if, if, if you, enjoy, you, know, you can do what you enjoy, maybe that's the definition of success. It's not, it doesn't have to be financial or, or whatever. You've kind of, if you've got that bit of freedom to do what you like doing. Um, yeah, so then I, I worked in that gym for uh, four years and I didn't probably realise at the time, but I learned a lot. I learned a lot about people. Yeah. I learned a lot about supplements or rather lack of supplements. I'd never been a very big eater, so I was always quite interested in supplements. And I kind of got lucky in the sense that next door to this gym where I was working at in the late 90s, a company called Biocare moved in and he owned a manufacturing facility, still does. And John, that owned Biocare, still very, very good friend of mine. And he's 71 now, but like doesn't look a day over 50. And, you know, what he doesn't know about supplements and biochemistry and stuff probably isn't worth knowing. Right. And that was really interesting, having access to someone that could make really, really good stuff. And then I was in a gym industry and there wasn't really good stuff. So it, it, the, the beginnings of a business started to develop. And in 1999, I set up a distribution business called Fusion. And basically that was just utilizing the manufacturing that I knew in the UK to make product and also importing product from the US. So the US stuff like Solgar and ProLab and Champion, Metrex, EAS. Yeah. Most of these brands now, are, are, you, know, you, yeah. don't, you don't find them anymore, despite the fact the industry's grown, it's weird. Um, but a lot of them have got caught out and not changing. Yeah, everyone's buying yeah, grenades. Yeah, changing the time. Probably all grenade now. You've put them out of business. Yeah, so there's, there's, there's 20 years that went into grenade. So this kind of culminated with my wife and I then selling. She came to the distribution business in 2005. And we just fell out of love with it. So we sold it in 2008 to my best friend. Uh, we worked there for a year as a handover. And we, we kind of had the idea to just have grenade as a, a hobby. But it was a hobby that turned into, into an obsession. And I think me being me and us being us... Um, we got this idea of just probably having it the two of us and just working through a couple of distributors and having it like a lifestyle business right. um, that just, we just, and, and it could have probably stayed as that, but we weren't happy with that. And we just, we pushed it and pushed it. And so as it, it started, it started as a hobby, but as it got successful, do you then think you got a hunger to keep pushing it or do uh, you think you always had that? I think no, just the hobby wasn't enough. It, it probably wasn't going to be what we'd, 
we'd call successful. So thermodetonator, like our first product, the grenade that everyone knows, was doing really well, but not life-changingly well. It, you know, it was yeah. fine for the two of so us is that, just is to that carry a fat burner, though? It's a fat burner, yes. Yeah. So we still make probably the best-selling weight loss product in the UK. Really? Um, you know, that grenade, which we've, I mean, we've sold, I mean, capsule-wise... 150 million capsules, 200 million capsules, lost count. It means a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so I don't really know about that one because I've never been into like fat burning products. I've never really took them, like the bars and the proteins all day. But yeah, the, yeah. The, so the, the, the nice thing, well, the reason we started with weight loss was that was the protectable bit because we got the grenade idea and the shape and the name and these were all things that we thought of and trademarked over the years and protected. But it was just the fact it was a brand. We always say that Red Bull. So it was where they created that energy drink category. Mm. We started to think to create that lifestyle category for, for sports nutrition because yeah. there's, there's so much good stuff out there in, in sports nutrition. As the one 20 years ago, but then only a really niche amount of people knowing about it, getting the benefits out of it. There certainly there wasn't the knowledge then like there is today in nutrition. It's and also it, and it, just like white tubs, wasn't it? Like yeah, so yeah, just I, generic I white just tubs, all, yeah, all looks label, the same, yeah. all scientific sounding names. Yeah. And there was some really good stuff out there that you, that, you know, I was using as a consumer thinking, this is good, people would get benefit from this. And it, as you guys know, there's no such thing as a magic pill. And, and yeah. uh, you know, and, and supplements are exactly that. If you can do it all through just, uh, obviously training is the most important thing, but yeah. if you can just do it all through diet and nutrition, brilliant i wish i could yeah you know it'd be nice to never go near a supplement you wouldn't need to eat a protein bar you wouldn't need a protein shake yeah. you wouldn't need multivitamins but who's got a perfect diet yeah so so and certainly most people nowadays with lifestyles if you don't have lunch and you're running through a petrol station you know i don't want a pasty yeah. i don't want a, a just a manky sandwich that's made three weeks ago with all yeah. the filling shoved towards the front and nothing in the back you know yeah, you just mean, don't that that. criminal that yeah yeah, absolutely, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's amazing that Can't stuff on. has got better but it's amazing how long it's taken to get mm. better and even actually on that note just how petrol stations have kind of got nicer places to yeah. be yeah. although it is a bugbear of mine when you pull up at a petrol station and you're waiting for fuel and someone's in there doing the weekly shop um <laughs> that is annoying just, yeah, yeah. You know, i just think i just want some fuel they're going yeah. on the trolley and it's like a family day out yeah the waitrose yeah yeah. Like, yeah they're the ones yeah ms yeah <laughs> yeah you can't come um, out of one of them now without spending 20 quid on snacks <laughs> spending yeah three or 300 pounds <laughs> stuff you didn't want um so yeah, I think just by having those supplements and putting them in obvious places, really, um, has been really powerful with, with Grenade. And to do that, again, it looks very simple. But yeah. you imagine in a petrol station, for instance, to go on the shelf, you've got to get something else off the shelf. Yeah. And you look at what's on the shelf in a petrol station, you know, it's tea, coffee, yeah. milk, bread, yeah. you know, Coca-Cola, Mars, Cadbury's. It is the best-selling stuff in the UK. Yeah. You've got to get something out yeah, yeah. Um, to get in and stay in there and that, that's been the difficult bit with uh, hand to hand combat I call it so that's the bit where we've really kind of fought hard for that yeah, yeah. so what, what yeah. year is that that you're that you're just start, so you started you've launched your first product and now you're and now you can see it growing more than more than a lifestyle it, it, yeah so from 2010 to 2012 we just had thermodetonator we just had two years of Jules and I um, basically just pushing this fat burner is the business paying you at this point uh, no, we didn't take a salary for the first four years. Four years so we didn't take a penny until late 2014. And we didn't take a day off until late 2014 either. So did selling the distribution business see you through? 
that? Um, a little bit. So I'm always so, intrigued as how entrepreneurs yeah, survive them early days, personally. Yeah, we, we had, we just, we were pretty frugal, to be fair. Now, we don't have kids, yeah. so we can afford to be quite selfish. And a lot of the other expenses that people would normally traditionally had at our age, like kids and family holidays and all that, we didn't have. Yeah. So, yeah, we had the two of us and a cat. So um, we could be pretty frugal in terms of what we'd spent. So everything went back in. Um, we were taking out, I mean, our accountant made us do it. And I think we accounted for it, but never actually took it. He was making us take about 500 quid a month or something for tax reasons. Yeah. But I think we actually didn't physically take the money out. We'd always been, um, yeah, just really frugal with that. Very, very cost conscious, yeah. which I think is quite unusual nowadays. So, you know, when we did our first show and, you know, we, we, we got two T-shirts made and you know, they were 12 quid for two T-shirts yeah. and there were the two of us, but we did stand in front of a, of a, of a 20 ton tank um, at our first show. But <laughs> no, so for, for the first two years, it was just the detonator. Um, and then we, we launched 50 caliber, the pre-workout, just through demand, really. So, and again, still a, still a phenomenal seller. And then we bolted on a few more sports nutrition products like Ration Pack and Defend and things like that. But I guess the, the big game changer, and this wasn't accidental, this was absolutely deliberate. About 2013, 2014, I thought, okay, this is great. You know, our sports nutrition stuff, our specialised stuff is doing well, but in specialised locations mm. and there's not enough of them. And actually, where it looked like it was a real tipping point, it looked like there was going to be a lot more. And GNC was saying we're going to open lots more stores. And Nutricenter had got that were owned by Tesco. Is that if what you mean by specialised locations? Yeah, like absolutely. GNC, yeah. So for it? me, yeah, specialised locations, um, yeah, GNC, Tesco Nutricenter, Holland and Barrett, those type of places where you'd go and probably talk to someone and get a bit of advice yeah. versus, you know, just your local Tesco, your local petrol station. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it looked like there were going to be a lot more locations. Nutricenter were talking about opening another 300 because of the health boom and all this stuff. And it actually never happened and they shut them all. And GNC shut them all. And I think what happened... Yeah, you don't see them around now. No, I think they've got one. Um, oh, now, that really? that's it. Well, the thing is now, and, and I, I guess partly driven by us... This is your fault as well, isn't it? it? Is, it's all my fault. Yeah, it's all my fault. Yeah. Um, we just... This isn't a specialised... This isn't specialised no. stuff anymore. No, no. So, you know... Five years ago, and, and definitely 10, 15, 20 years ago, if you wanted a protein shake or you wanted a protein bar, you were a bodybuilder. Yeah. You yeah. probably weren't even playing any other sport. It probably wasn't even, yeah, you know, yeah. running or cycling or swimming. It just wasn't a You thing. were just a bodybuilder that wanted to maintain or increase muscle mass. That was it. Yeah. Protein was kind of a dirty word. Um, and I think this is probably the stuff that, I mean, you guys, you know, you guys are definitely know, but I think this is the sort of stuff that we've probably known for. 25 years that actually it's really good for you when yeah. people would get benefit from having this and having yeah. less carbs and less crap and less takeaways and less chocolate and stuff like that so i guess we've we've known all along that there's a really broader health benefit here and i suppose we just created something that's made it easier for people to get into because yeah. so i remember protein shakes all, all yeah. tasted cack yeah, yeah. no they and, did. and the bars all like tasted cack yeah. yeah the bars used to be bars just like rubbery oh, just, just nonsense, chewy they? yeah but i think yours is one of the first not to blow smoke up your eyes or anything but it is one of the first even we were talking about quest bars on the way up and that was one of the first for me that was oh actually this tastes really good but even that after a while it was like this is pretty rubbery and unenjoyable actually yeah, it so just tastes get, good get, because get out. of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because of what right, I've been Rick's eating. Rick's dead to me now. Yeah. Let's, just, let's just carry on. In, in, let's just, let's in your defence, I said Let's just shit. pretend. Yeah, let's hope we don't Bye, hear everyone, any more shit nice. come out of his mouth. And uh, let's just pretend that he's oh, not here. Rick, just let um, me take over. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I say well. Quest? Yeah. We noticed no. that um, the 
when Grenade um, started going into these like more commercial ven- uh, venues, like your train, sta- uh, train stations, like your petrol stations and supermarkets and stuff, all of a sudden, Mars have got a protein bar. Snickers, yeah. Snickers have got a protein bar. Like, they're everywhere now. Like they're, everyone's. What, what they're happened? Because I mean, I don't normally get into the detail actually on this, but uh, because I haven't done it before, I probably will here. So yeah, Quest's a good example because. I didn't get it. I know those guys really well. They're really good friends of mine. Uh, the guy that sold them the equipment to make them is a really good friend of mine. And absolutely hats off to them for what they did because they did everyone a favour. Certainly, I think, in terms of bringing more women into the market for yeah. protein bars. Lifted the um, bar. Yeah. Do I like their protein bar? No, I don't. I can't stand it. I just, yeah. I can't, I don't understand why people eat it. And I think, in fact, in Europe, they don't. You need don't see them in Europe. It's an American thing. Yeah. Um, mm. We had one either week. So I'm just always curious in terms of trying stuff. And out of 60 people in the office, we couldn't finish one bar. And it, and, and it isn't just because we've got, well, it is because we've got our own product, but if people genuinely like to be, I'll be the first person to say, yeah. I just, I don't get it. I don't get that. Well, that particular sweetener, I think, is banned in Europe anyway, the uh, erythritol. And I don't like the sugar alcohol aftertaste. I don't like the chewiness. And just my personal preference is chocolate. I like chocolate coated stuff yeah. so when everyone was trying to copy quest um we never co- we just went the other way and i thought actually if people want to buy protein bars great let's make one frankly that i'd like eating because people were, were all talking about other protein bars online and i was trying and thinking i just i tell you what if people like this i'll make something they will like that's what i'm talking so, about yeah, so that's exactly that's quest exactly what that. we did and then you it took us two years bar, it was like oh hang on this isn't chewy this isn't and now it's it's literally a switch it's like if there's a grenade or a quest, then it's a grenade bar because you know it isn't as chewy and yeah. hasn't got that well, weird I think, finish I like think you the talk about. The thing that makes it um, so popular is that it doesn't feel like you're eating a protein bar. Yeah, and and that's deliberate. You see, I I don't I'll drink every now and again, but I don't particularly drink, so I'm very sensitive to sugar alcohols, mm. so I can taste it. If people drink, they can't taste it because they're used to it. Oh, in no, a, no. In, I, yeah. can, I can taste it. Yeah. So, but do, <laughs> yeah. do you know what I mean? Where yeah, you yeah. actually get the weird aftertaste. Is that, xy- uh, is that xylitol? Is that, uh, that's it could sh- be xylitol. It just tends to be just any other polyols. Most sugar alcohols have just got a weird chemically aftertaste right. that, is, that is akin to alcohol. So yeah. if you don't like alcohol, you'll, you'll really notice it. Right. So I do. And again, I'd start off with a bar. And think, actually, yeah, that's quite nice. And then you wait for it, wait for it, wait, there you go. And it hits the back of your mouth. Right, and you're left yeah. with a horrible aftertaste. So I was saying to our suppliers, you've got to get rid of that. Yeah. And like, we can't taste it. And like, I can taste it. Yeah. Um, and we're really picky here, especially me. And um, we worked for two years on a chocolate coated bar. They were getting pretty pissed off with us, to be honest. Because right. I think they thought we'd the never launch it. This is the development of Carb Killer. And, and our investors at the time, they didn't want us to do it. Uh, and you know growth points are, are great but they just didn't really see the future in protein bars mm. and this is one of those investor entrepreneurial moments where um, it, it's yeah they'll always want to say look at data for something whereas an entrepreneur will follow the gut feel now they both yeah. have the merits absolutely mm. but protein bars in the UK as you guys know weren't a thing five years ago yeah. so if you wanted to buy a protein bar you'd go to a Holland and Barrett and buy one you certainly wouldn't go to a Waitrose or a Marks and Spencers or a, a, a petrol station and buy yeah. one so you know they look at data and go it's not a thing and I go I know it's not a thing but I know why it's not a thing it's because they're all shit yeah. so let's make a good one let's make it a thing because I think that the chocolate market is worth going after mm. just taking myself an example I love chocolate. Most people do. Lots of people don't. Most people like chocolate. 
And you know you can't eat chocolate daily or weekly or monthly or whatever because we all train and, and you're conscious of what you're putting in your body. But if you thought if you could make something that does give people that protein and the benefit and it's just better for you than a chocolate bar, yeah. you know, not better for you than a chicken salad. Um, but, well, you know, we're not comparing that. that. Yeah, say that. Yeah, yeah depending where it's from. Yeah. Um, but if we can make something, I think there's merit to that. Anyway, they didn't want me to do it. I did it anyway. Um, and, uh, yeah, here we are with whatever, however many millions we, we're selling now. But um, and, but I think, you know, if you look at the data, it's, and it, it's, it's not a thing, like I said, yeah, you wouldn't do it. But also, if you looked at the data and it was a thing, because it's big, you're probably too late. Yeah. Mm. So when is there a good time to do something that's not been done before? Yeah. Um, this, so, is, this is a question I think a lot of people listening would would ask themselves when it comes to like any idea you've got for a business it's always difficult to know you know is this worth pursuing has it already been done is that market too crowded and when you say about gut feeling I think that is do you know what if you I, have, I was having this conversation last night actually with a friend of mine who's um, who's doing a different business and for, for three and a half years we've been talking about this and um, he, he bores me senseless with it just because I see him he's a sports massage guy so I see him every week mm. and um I've been saying, you know, for fuck's sake, just go and do it. Mm. But there's always a reason why he doesn't do it. Yeah. yeah. And I get it, but you just think, uh, he's going to get, and I said this to him last night, he's going to get to the stage when he's 70, he's going to look back and go, oh, I wish I'd done that. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's going to be a pretty horrible feeling. I, I, I don't have, I, I don't regret anything I've done, pretty much. Um, I'd always regret things I probably haven't done. I can't think of anything I haven't done if I've thought about doing it. Yeah. So, yeah. and that's really common. You know, you have that fear factor with businesses and products. And again, you know, all these things came up last night in our discussion. And um, there's always a reason not to do it, but you've got to think of the reasons actually to do it, you know, whatever they are. Um, and I know it seemed like it's easy for me to say that than to, to you know, to uh, comment on anyone else and stuff. But, you know, I've been an entrepreneur most of my life, so I've kind of got used to being out the comfort zone, yeah. going yeah. for something, it failing, me learning, and then, either doing something else or actually re-attempting it, learning what, why yeah, it failed. I think that's the biggest you, you don't thing, get anyone without failure. People are forward, terrified yeah. of failure. Yeah. They're terrified of failure. Failure is your friend. Mm. Um, I'm actually, I, I get worried about businesses that are doing really well nowadays that are growing quickly that have never failed because all of a sudden they're going to hit a point of failure when they're big and they're not going to know what to do about it because they won't have learned anything up to that point. Yeah. I think it's far better to stumble a lot in the early days yeah. when it doesn't hurt you. And frankly, when you're just young enough to recover. And quite flexible to change yeah. strategy oh, God, yeah, I, yeah. I had a, a Someone said to me last week, he sent me a message and said, I've really this business, what do you think? I said, how old are you? So I'm 21. I said, just why wouldn't you do it? Yeah. I said, if you'd been 81, I'd have thought, okay, maybe don't remortgage your house. Yeah. Um, but you've got time to recover. So... Yeah, it's, it's that perspective though, isn't it? That you've got now, you're like, go for it. If you fuck it up, you're just going to learn from it. That's yeah, and it, you know, and it depends on on the idea. I think you have to be realistic in the sense that have you created something? That's, if it's a product, for instance, is there a genuine need for yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and you know, for every business you see that's done well, there's going to be millions that you've never heard of that have absolutely crashed and burned. But a lot of the time, there's really obvious reasons for that because I think mm. what. I've learned through business is where I talk to other business owners that have, have, have either succeeded or failed. There's loads of commonality. Yeah. But amongst, you probably find that with interviewing mm. entrepreneurs, there's loads of commonality. I'd imagine one of them is, is probably the, their absolute dedication in not giving up and believing in themselves and yeah. attention to detail and all these things. Have you ever met an entrepreneur that's done really well where they just probably couldn't give a shit? Mm. And they've just gone, yeah, well, it might work, it might not. You know, and just yeah. think, actually, I've never really... You've got to be pretty committed yeah. 
I don't mean, you know, psychologically, although that probably is a good idea as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you've, you've got to be absolutely dedicated to it. And that, I thought, was probably a fairly common thread. If, and, if someone's not dedicated... In, and having a passion for it. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. one commonality yeah. we see across the board as well. That's something people say to me a lot. Oh, your passion's incredible. I actually, I don't notice that because I'm just me. Yeah. So I think I probably, as I talk about the business, it's something I enjoy, as most people would do. They probably kind of get into it and become more animated, more passionate because it, it means a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, not having kids, Grenade's been my, my baby and I'm my wife's baby. So, uh, yeah, we get super passionate about it because we it didn't exist and we created the it. It's a fucking then, baby now, isn't it? Yeah, I know. Yeah, you kind of, <laughs> yeah, you watch baby. it. Out of control, Out of control, yeah. I've not read or seen anything about any any failures or early wobbles from Grenade or anything to... Was was there ever some proper struggles early on, and you thought, oh, this I mean, might yeah, be going. I mean, God, there absolutely were. Like I said, we always ran really lean and mean. We couldn't afford to advertise. We were down to twenty-seven quid at one point, so we really had to leverage our relationships and get creative. And like I said, this is this is where you learn. I think this is where probably some of the bigger food brands struggle because they've got lots and lots of money to spend yeah. and that's not necessarily a good thing yeah. i think it's really good when you have to solve a problem yeah. and you can't buy your way out of it because actually that is when you genuinely learn stuff yeah. and i'm a and this sounds really obvious but i'm a really big believer in relationship building yeah. and it's actually i think nowadays it's quite uncommon that people can build relationships I, I mean, I was just, I was out for a walk last night and there were like, a, there was just a couple of parents and a couple of kids and sitting in the park, park, it was a beautiful evening last night and they're all sitting in the park on their phones and you think they're probably messaging each other <laughs> and you think, just put your phones down and, you know, and I'm the worst of this because I live on my phone, I'm sure we all do, mm. but they can't, they're on the phone because they can't hold a conversation and you see it in restaurants when you go out and there's couples and just on their phones constantly, like, just talk to each other. Yeah. If you can't talk to each other, you can't build a relationship. And actually, we've got really good relationships with our suppliers, our retailers, our consumers, because I think we're good communicators. Mm. And that's something I think that in you know, 2019, communication is all digital. It's actually not real. And I think that's, that's a real worry. And I think it's why lots of businesses struggle because there's no yeah. one almost real at the end of it. Yeah. So I think if you can pick the phone up, or go and see someone that's worth a lot and I think people just don't bother now they, they you, don't think did it's did you important. manage that in the early days because it feels like it's quite a big well it feels like it now like an international brand like a lot of your suppliers might be far away and stuff like that did you, did you always go yeah, and so we, make a point to see we've always tried to use local British suppliers where we can just because it's easier and we do like to support British industry that's not always the case now with the global sports nutrition business so a lot of the stuff that we do has got very specialist expertise which isn't necessarily in this country but yeah I'm always in the US Canada Europe and Europe next week um, so we always go and see our um, yeah always go and see them because again you want to actually build friendships yeah. and build relationships yeah. with the last business that I had which I fell out of love with one of the reasons I fell out of love with the distribution business was I had lots of people I like working with and I had lots of people I didn't like working with the problem is the people you don't like working with ruin it for the people that you do so 20% of the people was 90% of the hassle. Yeah. And that's the bit that wears you down. And when we started Grenade, sounds really stupid now, but one of the things we said we'd do is we'd only work with people that we liked. So we did. It's not bad at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and that even goes for, you know, Tesco and M&S and all of our suppliers yeah. and the Holland and Barrett um, is, you know, we just, we just build relationships. And certain retailers that were difficult to work with, we just didn't work with them. If, um, if, even if there's big money on the table, you yeah, even go big, with your gut. Don't, yeah, not really into we've, 
because again that we started with two of us you're never short of things to do yeah. so even at the 60 of us we're all ridiculously busy so it, it, you know it's not a question of getting our own way but one of our um, little internal sayings is you know we do it our way or not at all it's not meant to be in an arrogant way it's more around they're just doing what's right for the brand yeah. and you know years ago for instance we were asked by a retailer to do a, a pink weight loss product and we didn't want to do a pink weight loss product, but that's what they wanted on their shelf, and we didn't want to do it, so we didn't do it. Yeah. It wasn't right for consumers. And if you start making stuff, although there's a good number attached to it, that's not right for consumers, it's not going to work. Consumers then start losing trust for the brand. Um, then you know, you've got a financial loss, and you start eroding away that brand value. And that's the only thing that really matters is, is the brand value. So yeah, yeah. for me, I just have to think, actually, what's the best thing to do for the brand? If I make the best decision for the brand, who loses? No one. Yeah. Even our competitors benefit because we are putting more and more and more value in this category and in this space. There's, you know, there's not a single loser. Yeah. We start doing stuff just for the bottom line. Everyone loses at some point. I guess when there's a lot of opportunities as well, it's difficult to not try and be a, like a jack of all trades. Oh, well, that's like, that's me all over. I find, so I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. That, that's that's yeah. really common, and that's that's definitely a skill I'm getting better at. Yeah. But yeah, you if you, you want to teach me, you should. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've probably got better at the last twelve months, to yeah. be honest. Um, you know, singularity of purpose. Yes. So you've got to. You know, we were saying earlier about just chasing rabbits. You know, if you're chasing a hundred rabbits, you're never going to catch one. Yeah. Just pick one, and uh, you know, catch it. And if it's not right, let it go again, and then yeah. maybe go for another one. But yet, that's a very, very, very entrepreneurial trait. And actually, that's not Stop a bad. That down. Yeah, <laughs> but that that's not a bad thing. So you should probably embrace that. Yeah. I think a lot of the stuff that could be a negative character trait is probably useful in the in certain um, in certain areas. So. Yeah, you know, we've never ever been looking for things to do. Yeah. So, yeah, we've we've never we've never desperately needed to go and work with anyone specifically or in terms of a retailer because there was lots that we can. So, yeah. you know, I'm always saying to the guys here, just go with the path of least resistance. Yeah. If someone's kind of playing hardball over something, fine, leave them to it. We'll come back to them in twelve months. You know, they're not the well, they're the one losing out, not us. Have you have you always? Again, it feels like that's the position you're in now. But have you always had that mentality, or or would you would you jump through hoops for years just to get Tesco's? Um, that's a good point. So, um, yeah, not no, not really. Even even with years ago, where we desperately wanted to get Tesco, and I emailed the buyer, and I didn't hear back. I only sent him one email. I didn't yeah. chase him and chase him and chase him. So sending him lots, lots of emails than you did with me about this podcast. Um, <laughs> but no, I sent, I sent him one, and I'm just very black or white with that sort of stuff because I, I, you know, I touch wood, I knew it was a good idea. Yeah. If you then have to convince someone to the nth degree, again, path of least resistance. I could just go and work with Holland and Barrett, who were easier, bodybuilding.com, Amazon. There's always someone easier to work with. Oh, when, you so, say, when you say that, sorry to interrupt, but like, when you say that. It sounds like um, you're already there, but like, at what point are you? So you've made the carp, you've made the bars, for example. You've developed the bars. It's taken ages. You develop the bars. They're ready to sell. The th bit I struggle to understand is where are all these bars? You know, how many have yeah. you ordered? What's okay, going so on here? Like, like, because who's buying it? Who's putting it on their shelves without seeing it? So it must have started somewhere. It did, Someone yeah. So the first, so we we carry on working this bar in secret to the point that we're very happy with it. Now again, we know we've got a very good protein bar. We've got nowhere to put it, but we know we've got a very good protein bar. 
Um, our partners at the time, GrowthPoint, one of the reasons we partnered with them, they had a, a 1%, I think it was, share in Rontech. Rontech is a petrol station chain in the UK, which have got several hundred chains. It's uh, several hundred st uh, stores. And it was owned by, I think it still is actually by Gerald Ronson. Um, and they had, they had an agreement there. And, you know, we wanted introduction. And I wanted a petrol station so I could prove the concept, which we got. We proved the concept and we built it from there. Right. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, I was, we ordered these bars and I was shitting myself. <laughs> um, so I just thought, I said to Jules, actually, if, you know, if these Worst don't... Worst case, we'll eat them. If these don't sell, A, I'm getting fired. Um, <laughs> and B, I'm, I'm, we're buying them all. Yeah. And we're going to be eating protein bars for the next 40 years. Because 50,000 now just sounds like nothing because yeah, we'd, we'd sell it in three seconds flat. But... 50,000 bars five years ago, you know, was was quite a lot. So um, I think I sold about a quarter of them provisionally to GNC at the time. Um, and then, yeah, the other sort of 37,500 were up for grabs. Uh, we got them and I think we sold them in two hours. But, and, 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 and then from that moment, you just think, you know, not, not bingo, but you think, okay, great, panic over. Now it's going to be eight weeks till we get the next lot. Yeah. Yeah. So from that point on, we never, re for the next two, two and a half years, and probably even now, we never really had enough protein bars. We've always been chasing. Who's making them? Like, it's so not Grenade aren't making them. No, we don't own any manufacturing seen. facilities. Right. Um, we have done, and we have owned warehousing and distribution facilities in the past. This, again, is something I learned. I wanted to do everything myself. Mm. But actually, when you start building a business and you want to have, you know, I want my own uh, warehouse, I want my own manufacturing, I want, I mean, if we're printing something, I want my own printing machine. Yeah. You want it all s surrounding you as like your little empire and you can go and see it and touch it and you know where it is mm. and watch it being done because it's a control thing. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, the reality being that, um, yeah, we're good at branding and marketing and helping make products and stuff, but we shit at everything else. So uh, warehousing, and actually we were okay at warehousing, but I, I, I can't get excited about it. Yeah. And what was happening was, I was getting dragged into warehousing issues, and you think, well, okay, I can probably sit and solve it, but actually I can find someone to sit and solve this. And, and as such now, we've got um, uh, an agreement with uh, DCS at Banbury, which is owned by another entrepreneur, uh, friend of mine, Dennis, and uh, they're brilliant at it, and right. they just love it. So I think the advice I'd probably give is, with, with a business, stick to what you're good at, find other people who are equally passionate or good at all the stuff that you can't do, and then just go around and conduct the orchestra, but don't go running around trying to play all the instruments. Yeah, that was going to be my next line of questioning, really. Like, we, we've got to a point now in, in, in my business where it's, it's growing beyond what I'm... Yeah, it feels like it's on the... Like we're ready to grow more, but I don't really know what I'm... Not I don't know what I'm doing, but... Well, that's right. Like, Join the club. You're in good company yeah. here, then. But, but, <laughs> yeah, but actually, just... that, but that's good because as, a, as an entrepreneur, I could have sat back with my last business and I could have sat back when I worked at the gym and I've never been unhappy with anything I've done. I was unhappy at school, yeah. but I've never been unhappy since I've been in control of my own destiny. Mm. And then, because if you are, just change it. The amount of people that do stuff they just hate... It just staggers me because yeah. most of the time you, you, you can change it or yeah. it's a mindset change. But I like being out of my comfort zone. So when I actually... Do you think you always have? Uh, yeah, I have actually. Yeah, I think so. I just think that I'm just one of those people. I need a bit of a fire under me because actually, and this, this surprises everyone, I'm inherently quite lazy. <laughs> so I was quite lazy at school because I was quite bright and I had a good memory. So I didn't have to do a lot to get good marks. And I think that mm. always followed me. So if... If I don't have any money and I need to go and make money, 
I'll get up and I'll go and make money. And if it was digging holes all day for a tenner a day, I'll go and do it. But if I don't need the money, for instance, then I just won't go and do it. So I like a fire under me. And I, I like... Um, I like something just to drive me. Yeah. So I'm not one of these people that just necessarily leaps out of bed, uh, you know, if I've got nothing specific to do and just kind of cracks on the day. But probably maybe most people aren't, I don't know. When you got to that point, though, where it's growing, it's doing well, you're still having a hand in everything. You know, what I've always found it difficult to hand things over and then yeah. just be like, yeah, they're ca- even I know people are capable of doing it and even doing a better job than me. But I'm still like getting involved. I mean, like that's a difficult. I mean, that's definitely a failing. So if you, again, very common. Mm. So uh, yeah, delegation is absolutely key. Yeah. And the fact it's an interesting thing actually. You know they can do it better than you can. Because mm. I was going to say if you if you can't or won't delegate, you probably haven't got the right people. Yeah. If you know they're better than you at it, you probably have got the right people. So you should hand it over. Yeah. But I think if you find yourself doing something repetitively you should always find someone else to do it. Because if, as an entrepreneur, you can go and do something else. Yeah. Lots of people are, you probably find with entrepreneurs, they're not that good at anything other than being an entrepreneur, which, that which no, that's, 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 that's yeah. quite good. But if someone says brilliant with numbers and you've yeah. got a great CFO, that's their thing. Brilliant, get rid of all that. Yeah. She finds, you know, same with distribution or, you know, I can't do graphic design. I wouldn't know where to start. It's a technical skill. The graphics guys are great, so they do all that. Yeah. That's easy. Generally, I'm fairly good with numbers, so I could do a lot of the financial stuff, but I don't want to do it. Mm. And again, they're much better at it than me. This is all the stuff when you start a business you have to do because there's no one else to do it. But as you scale up, if you can afford to, just surround yourself with brilliant people who you like. Mm. Don't employ your friends. It's a disaster employing friends. (laughs) If you employ people you like and you become friends, that's absolutely great. But generally, employing mates, they don't turn into great employees, but great employees probably become good mates. So... Uh, do that and then yeah go and do something else and just yeah. conduct the orchestra um it, it it's it is very very common to not be able to hand things over yeah. actually i'm um probably surprisingly good at handing stuff over you've got to be careful sometimes you don't hand too much stuff over yeah um because you know then if it does all go horribly wrong you don't you don't spot it but it's all about having the right people and them knowing what they should tell you about and what they shouldn't and i'm really fortunate here with the team they know what to put on the radar and one of the first guys we employed, actually, um, who's yeah, he's still here, uh, surprisingly, was uh, I just said I just need you to be my shit filter. <laughs> so I said just just stop all this stuff reaching me, and because yeah. you know he's like employee number five, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all, these, all these the all these bastards <laughs> with podcasts and stuff. Never ever let them darken my office. Yeah, never let them darken my door. Yeah, I don't want to don't want to get involved in that. Um, but. And, and actually, this week I said, I said, Rob, I said, you've got to get yourself a shit filter. Yeah. So, but yeah, you, you have to, um, you have to, I think, constantly be thinking about how you can get stuff off your plate. Yeah, free up in, in order time, to yeah. grow, because otherwise you just end up bogged down. To, to, to work on a brand, for instance, if you're in it, you know the expression isn't there. You can't see the wood for the trees. Mm. You're so far in it. You, you're smothered. You can't see what's happening. You've got to actually yeah. take a step back and yeah. look. I think with fresh eyes. That is me. Yeah, yeah. But that can be think, so hard when you're in the early hard. days. It is hard. Yeah, it's right? really hard. It's really. But thing is, well, none of this is easy. No, 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 no. You know, <laughs> none of this is easy at all. I mean, if it was, I think everyone would like to work for themselves, wouldn't they, and build something? And and I think, frankly, I think everyone should do it. You know, we've had people leave here and gone and set up their own businesses, and I'm absolutely I'm the first person to say, you know, well done. Go You'll learn it, yeah. so much more. 
from from doing it. And you know, I've worked for other people for for years. I mean, you know, we've got partners now. I work for for mm. Lie. You know, they're a majority shareholder in Grenade. So you know, I'm very answerable to them. So yeah. you know, everyone should be kind of thinking about working hard for someone else and but having the responsibility of people around that, they, did, that you know they employ did you have a mentor um yeah i did i didn't probably realize they were a mentor at the time but yeah i did so one i've talked about so one was john sterling he was from biocare because again i was 17 years old working at the gym living the dream you know big baggy pants massive glasses back in the day <laughs> ridiculous hairstyle don't say anything i've still got one right. yeah <laughs> um, yeah clearly i'm a fashion icon now but um it, yeah and you know, I saw John go past in his new Mercedes and super yeah. clever guy, worked really hard, very likable. Um, so, yeah, and he'd always got time for me. And, yeah, so very much looked up to him. Uh, still, I saw him Saturday night, actually, we're still very good friends. Uh, another guy uh, called Stuart Sapkert, he was a kind of a property tycoon. He had a big, we still does have a big uh, property uh, business. And, uh, again, super nice guy, wildly successful um really just pleasant to be around always that time for me so i've always tried to really learn from people that i've looked up to and been able to um ask and listen and and i think listen to their wins and their losses if you can learn from people's mistakes that's just as powerful as as, as learning own, yeah. um, from their success and i think just how they conducted themselves and treated people is all really useful i'm i'm obsessive about learning um uh, things because uh, you know you don't know what you don't know um, and then, um, you know, from a, an absolute distance, when I was 12, I remember seeing, you know, Richard Branson crossing the Atlantic in the Challenger, um, uh, in, the, in the, the, the boat race in the Challenge. So watch that. And again, that was kind of pre-internet and pre-social media and thinking, oh, I've got a hero and Virgin McGraw in the 80s and Virgin Megastore, you know. So absolute icon in business and entrepreneurialism, always looked up to him, been lucky enough to do a lot with Virgin over the last five years through Fast Track and do yeah. lots and lots of stuff with Richard. So that's been brilliant. Um, so very, very much still uh, look up to him. And I think, you know, really, uh, lots of the team here who, again, have just have come in as probably their first job. And we haven't necessarily had a job for them, but we've liked them and they've had the right attitude. And they've grown a lot here. That's mm. been really nice to watch them grow and develop and, yeah. and learn. Um, you know, when they've been 20 years old and then we watch them go and get the first houses. And it's actually been quite nice to be a part yeah, yeah. of that because yeah. then it all feels like the stuff that family, we created, it, yeah. people are getting benefit from. So I've never really done anything f for me, and I think Jules would take this as well, just to get benefit from. I think all the, if we want to, like I said before, I don't think we consider ourselves successful, but I think where we talk about success i think it's probably the the stuff that other people have been able to enjoy and get benefit from so you know when we did the growth point day we went and bought a, my parents a house when i bought my dad a car things like that and and just the guys here that have you know perhaps not driving getting the bus then you know they've bought their first kind of clapped out fiesta yeah. then they've gone and bought a new mercedes you know it's, it's kind of we're proud of that because they've worked really hard yeah. and it's nice to think actually that that was all that came about yeah, you know, via yeah, grenade. Yeah. i know that i've had other jobs and they'd have probably done gone and done that but we've we've hopefully been really good at rewarding people we, we never bribe but we always reward so i think that they're all people i look up to in terms of you know doing a good job and, and likable people mm. and it comes back to that Thing I was saying earlier about just not working with people I don't like. Yeah. I'm really lucky in the fact we, we I like everyone here, which yeah. is nice because we spend a lot of time together. Yeah, good answer. Because you went to um, <laughs> you went to Necker as well, right? 
Yeah, yeah, up into yeah, yeah, up into Necker. So what's what's that then? You're involved in. It's an his... island in the Virgin Islands. But... <laughs> Rick, what do we tell what's, you about asking that? questions? Yeah, surrounded by water, and Richard lives there. But I mean, what's the um, the thing you were involved with him? What was it called, Virgin? Oh, Virgin Unite. So Virgin. Uh, yeah, so we've been in the Virgin Fast Track 100 for five years in a row, um, which is pretty unheard of. I think there's us Brewdog and and if uh, yeah us Brewdog Innocence have done five years plus. Um, that's the top, the fastest growing 100 businesses in the UK, basically. And to, to get in it is quite hard. To stay in it's even harder. Yeah. To do five years plus is just, you know, like I said, it's almost unheard of. Um, because you've, unless you're doubling the size of the business yeah, every year, year, yeah, that's right, it, it's, um, it starts to get, so it's, it's easier to double a business from five to 10 million than 30 to 60. Yeah. Um, so, mm. uh, yeah, through that, and, and Richard always tends to go. He's not been to the last couple. Um, but then we just found we got lots of common interest through some philanthropy uh, work. So we had some, uh, that, you know, he's got a game reserve in South Africa and we had the opportunity to go and we went and we got quite uh, involved in the, uh, the rhino poaching down there. So we know some guys in the military that um, are like anti-poaching experts and stuff. And we hooked those guys up and they'd got some issues with their helicopter and it couldn't fly at night and there were some regulatory issues and some some physical issues one of the physical issues was it didn't have a well it couldn't fly at night so we organized night vision for them and then they got the pilots trained in the night vision and it just made a monumental difference to mm. the poaching so they went from losing a rhino a week to the last time i heard they hadn't lost one in 400 days so huge improvement of course yeah. got on richard's radar why is the rhino poaching stopped or great but how and they cited that we you know what we've done as one of the reasons so he wrote to us um and there with a very nice letter and some uh, some uh, signed things and his book and and whatever and then next thing you know we're at necker and stuff so and it's just again it's 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 back to that and although it's richard and his team it's like the team here again you're surrounding yourself with nice people mm. so i think um I, i'm certainly as i get older you know i still just want to make sure i've just got the right people around me who are nice people inspirational i look up to them they're doing good things i just don't want to and it sounds quite old hat but i just don't want to be surrounded by just negative people moaning yeah um including myself because <laughs> you know, i love a good moan we all love yeah. a good moan mm. um but a lot of the time i'll start and i think god i'm annoying myself yeah just shut the fuck up yeah jesus yeah <laughs> Um, oh, I know that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> All right, steady on. I've got feelings. <laughs> yeah. Oh, with him. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, I know what you mean now. Yeah, ditto. Mm. Gosh, still talking, Chris. <laughs> um, it feels like you take it quite in your stride and quite lightly. There must have been some episodes of extreme stress. In, there still in are. <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. still are. Yeah, now. there are. I think, and actually, this is one of the things. So I asked Stuart, um, my mentor from years ago, when he was doing these massive property deals for tens or hundreds of millions of pounds and I was I asked him that question when I was 17 I said how do you cope with the stress because there's me earning 70 quid a week and I've got a Fiat Panda yeah. and then I can't quite comprehend how you know he's building something yeah. in the Caribbean and you know, there's a lot of money on the line and he, he his exact answer was you just get better at dealing with it he'd been hospitalized with the stress sure. and he said you just get better at dealing with it you get more confident um the banks get more comfortable with you and, and some relationships get a bit easier and yeah, you know, that was his exact answer. Uh, and I try and remember that because it is hard. And again, I've had a conversation with someone here today, actually, who's quite stressed. They've got a lot of stuff going on in their life. 
and I just said to them, you remember all this stress is just sat there and it's building up. And because you're, you're used to it being there, you kind of forget it's there. Stress is a funny thing that until it's gone, you don't notice it. Yeah. And I said, just, you know, just if you, so little things then bother you. And I think if little things start bothering you that probably, you know, shouldn't bother you, there's probably more stress there than That's you need. Point, yeah. yeah. And I said, just, you know, just go, habit, for, go for a little walk. I'm the worst for that. So, and I think how I try and, protect against that is eating sleeping and training i try and eat really well i try and get as much sleep as i can that's practic practicable it's a word yeah um and i i try and do my three four days a week training all that helps the minute my diet slips and the minute i'm not training i'm not sleeping all those little shock absorbers mm. to probably absorb the the stress yeah, aren't, aren't there yeah um and then you're kind of in the danger zone and I, i'm kind of like um yeah i'll probably hover around, you know, stress sort of five out of 10, six out of 10 most of the time. And then before you know it, you're at nine and then mm. it doesn't, and then something silly will happen and then, yeah, I'm, I'm at 470. Um, <laughs> so, um, and I think as well, a bit of it with entrepreneurs, you're kind of all in or all out. So you're either like almost, yeah, Mr. Super Chill, don't care. Yeah. Or then just Mr. Everything's gone horribly wrong, nuclear Chernobyl disaster. Yeah. And there's almost nothing in the middle. It's kind of, so there's no gray area. You exactly kind of, right, you know, yeah. but yeah. Um, yeah, that's something that, and actually talking about this, it makes me realize again, you have to, I have to just sit back and sometimes think just having that bit of time for you. Yeah. And it's so easily said than, than done. Yeah. But I think probably one of the things is, is routine. So on a Friday night, I'll just sit and have a sauna and I just sit on my iPad and I'll work. But I just go through all my emails and messages from the week and I'll just see what I've missed. So I'll go through, I'll go, oh, there's those twats and curious cats again. So <laughs> delete. Um, yeah. They'll be, they'll be back next week. So don't, <laughs> don't need to worry, do anything I'll get that you. one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'll try and do that. And I think, but just partly allocating a bit of you time just to sit there and kind of relax. But I can't just sit there doing nothing, so I'm going to do something constructive. It's almost not relaxing, is it? When you try and we were saying this earlier, when you try and do nothing or watch telly or something, it's like oh, I'm tell, no, tell yourself I'm to switch no off. Yeah. I'm crap at watching TV because yeah. I flick a lot and I, I can't quite. I've got to have something I'm really interested yeah. in. Yeah. Um, if I do get like a good box set, um, at least it's easy because I don't have the trauma of thinking what I'm going to watch. That's the problem. I'll, yeah, I, that's I'd a stress I'd spend, on its own. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'd spend an hour <laughs> trying to find something. <laughs> <laughs> Um, whereas at least think right I'm watching Game of Thrones lovely yeah. I'm on episode 493 yeah. at least yeah. I know I, I don't, don't have to think it's about it in. yeah because part of it you don't want to have to think yeah. at yeah. 9, 10 o'clock at night because you've been doing it all day and although you're not physically drained you're emotionally drained yeah. so yeah, if you can remove the thinking element then, it, then it's great but I think yeah with the Friday night sauna email thing I think it's um, also just decluttering your inbox and some of your social inboxes mm. just so actually you feel better by doing that yeah. and you know having a bit of a tidy up around the, the house and stuff yes, just doing yeah. a few things you just you always, you always feel better for it don't yeah, you i think yeah. it's psychological so i think he's just trying to keep yourself um you know in a, in a position where you can really you know absorb absorb the stress better and then again you know trying to avoid it at work i mean the and i think hopefully at work we're all getting better with this you know someone will come in and something might have been an abject disaster and they're mortified about it but you know and we've lost 200,000 quid on something or something's gone wrong um and I just go do you know what no one's died mm. uh, you know and some of the, and you think could we've avoided it and very rarely you know a lot of this yeah. stuff if someone's gone bust and owes us money or yeah. something it's just Definitely. so much one of this it's just one of those things in business and I think we just think about how we mitigate against it better in future it's just back to that learning and 
I think learning when things don't hurt you as much. You know, yeah, if you yeah. lose your first run of bars, it's 50,000. Yes, it's bad, proportionate to what you're doing, but it's not like losing 5 million bars, which again is pretty bad. Yeah. So um, you just have to get better at handling it, I think, definitely. And I, if I ever find the secret to that, then I won't tell you, but I'll, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll make a point of telling you I know. Mm. So can, can we talk a little bit about the... Um, you, you, you've become mega successful. The lots, you're selling a lot at the time. Um, you're in these supermarkets and petrol stations and, um, and shops and so on. And then has there always been a point where you're thinking about an exit or, or, or a, a, to, to sell a portion of the company? Because obviously there were, you did sell uh, Yeah, I guess, it, yeah, we, we've sold shares twice. Um, and I think... There's several trains of thought on this, and I'm, I'm not really sure which is the right one, to be honest. I know people who own 100% of their business, and it's theirs outright, but then they don't have any money, but they've got control of the business, yeah. but then everything's tied up in the business. Sometimes that looks very appealing. I know people then who've built a big business and sold a lot, and they've got the money, but they don't have the business, but they've got the, the, the money from it, yeah. and that's probably sometimes appealing. And I think what we've tended to do is we've do 50-50 approach. Yeah. So um, when uh, GrovePoint came along and you know and valued the business, we didn't need the money either personally or for the business, so we didn't need to do it. We wanted to take the expertise and the connections they got, for instance, with petrol stations, because so we didn't. We there was GrovePoint Capital, so. Grove Point Capital were our first private equity partners that came in in 2014, right. and they exited in 2017 when Lion Capital came in. Oh, did you have no funding? That was it was all. Yeah, no, we never any funding at all. Yeah, we 100. percent We'd never and and actually again the um, the yeah we were paying for everything. We weren't taking a, a salary or very minimal salary at that point. Um, but yeah, we'd never had any external investment. We'd never any bank loans. Yeah. I, I've been I'm really old fashioned with that. I'm just mm. my, my whole family have always been you know very much if you can't afford it don't have it um and I, i've never had a i don't think i've ever had a car loan no i don't think i have i've just saved up and i've bought a car yeah. and I've, I've bought what i could afford uh, you know at the time and i'm just i'm just old-fashioned about owning stuff yeah. i know that's unusual nowadays but it it's surprises there, dad my dad is exactly but, it, but it's surprising me nowadays and i'm going oh with this generation it's surprising who you, no one owns anything and maybe yeah. they don't want to, and I'm not saying it's a criticism, yeah. but it's a little bit alien. And I, I can see a time where no one's going to own the car, no one's going to own the house. No one owns their DVD collection or whatever, because it's all on Amazon Prime or it's mm. on iTunes, and ultimately they own it, you're just renting it. Yeah. And um, yeah, everything's kind of rented. And I guess, you know, you probably own the, the, the clothes that you wear, but then that's it. But you think, I can see a time when people just rent their clothes and send them back. <laughs> and I can honestly see them just people, look, Rick's thinking, he's thinking, what a great idea. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, but I can see that and I can see people changing the wardrobe or something and just not yeah. actually owning anything yeah. which I would hate but if that's just the way of the world that's the, the way of the world so no we'd never had any um, any loans or anything like that I don't like being owed money and I don't like owing money it's yeah. just, a, just a personal thing um, so yeah Grove Point came in in 2014 and we wanted their petrol station contacts and I think we wanted them to um help professionalize us a bit because like i said i'm an unemployed an, un an unqualified personal trainer yeah. so i was probably feeling you know very out of my comfort zone in mm. the business but you always do but if you speak to richard branson he feels that he feels yeah. like his comfort yeah, yeah. zone right, you know yeah. he's left school at 15 he's dyslexic and he's runs a you know a, what a 25 yeah billion like yeah billion pound business like you just shouldn't be there yeah i, I, I think that 
can be a bit dangerous if you aren't confident in what you do. Yeah. So you can be out, feel out your depth, but be confident in making good decisions. I think what's worse is thinking you missed a super no at all. I think that's dangerous and you know exactly what you're doing yeah. because I'd never want to get into that mindset of yeah. really thinking you know and I think there's a very fine line between that from, from end to end. Um, so I think, and actually Richard said this, he just likes to keep it simple. So if he thinks it's a good idea and he likes a product, he just tends to think other people will as well. Yeah. And I think that's actually quite good advice because yeah. it's, I like these bars. Am I going to be the only, people, uh, only person in the UK yeah. the world that likes this bar? Probably not. I've just got to find other people that like them. Yeah. And, and, and it's that simple. You don't need loads and loads of different surveys and studies telling you what people buy and where they shop and how many kids they've got and whether yeah, they've yeah. got a dog and blah, blah. Point, yeah, exactly. I just, yeah. Think, just think, you know, is it, is it a good product? Where should I put this? You know, what else is out there? And um, if you think something's a good idea, great. You know, hopefully you've just got to find others. Yeah. Um, so no, Growth Point came in and... Um, yeah, it was it was the opportunity to all of a sudden, I think, get some recognition for how hard we'd worked. Yeah. But the plan was always very much to hit the reset button and go again. So we did. So uh, we went on again to 2017. We said with Growth Point, you know, we'll treble the business, which we did. So they exited line, came we'll in. Treble the business. Yeah. And then we said with line, pretty much we'll treble the business. So we have. Um, and I think, you know, everything I or we have always said we do, we've always gone and done. We've probably done it in a very entrepreneurial, weird, convoluted way, depending mm. on what the market's doing. But ultimately, if you get where you're going, you know, job ethically done. and whatever, you're absolutely job done. Um, so in terms of we've always pretty much share-wise sold half, rolled half, that way's always felt comfortable in the sense that, yeah, if it all went horribly wrong, we got something. If it went wildly successful, okay, we could have had more, but then we could have had nothing as well. Yeah. And... You know, the market you're in, it's the market you're in. Um, would I do things... I mean, looking back, would I do things differently? Well, absolutely, yeah, because I'd never sell a single share because why would you? But then again, yeah. I don't I don't know if we'd have got where we've got to without going through all these Starting, various yeah. stages and the conversations and, and stuff as well. So, you know, entrepreneurs and investors, although are kind of oil and water, they, they think and look at things differently. And it's very often, you know, there's no right or wrong way of doing it. You have to have that... The, the way that, that pushes forward um, uh, you know and, and again if you want to grow the business and put a number on it um, it's extremely hard to do just as an entrepreneur with no backing yeah and it's it's again hard to do or impossible to do as an investor with no entrepreneur yeah, yeah. so it, it's um, yeah and you know and wh where we'll end up in terms of exit I don't know I mean I, I know this is the last job I'll ever have because I'm unemployable um, so go back to that gym yeah I mean you know do, do I want to sit in an office for the next 20 years no of course not I think again for me it's all about balance yeah. I'd always like to probably be an influencer brand advisor um, whether it's chairman or investor oh, in Grenade or role or ambassadorial role or consultancy type role in, in Grenade um, you know that'd be great and I think as long as I'm having fun and I always tend to have fun brilliant you know it's the best job I'll ever have yeah. um, I guess the, the difficult thing for me is with not having kids at some point you know what's it all for because if I make money I want to make sure that I can go around the world or do whatever I want to do and enjoy it I don't just want to you know basically do what my neighbour did who made 800 million quid and then never got married never had kids and just died and left it all to charity right, yeah. um, and you know that's great but and he did enjoy himself but 
you know, I've got to think about succession planning in terms of am I, am I going to be the last of the Barretts or, or whatever. Yeah, so you hear the word legacy a lot, don't you now in entrepreneurship? Yeah, that, that's a good. And, and actually, I think you know, grenades my legacy. So I wanted to be able to make iconic, which I don't think we've done, but I think we're doing. And um, yeah, grenade been my legacy. So I think for me to spend all my life so far in sports nutrition and to build something iconic through grenade, that's a brilliant legacy. Yeah. Um, you know, and I hope it lives on like Coca Cola's. But also that charity work you spoke about earlier with the um, the rhinos mm. and stuff, that, that's part of it, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. So, um, I mean, there's loads more things I'd like to do if I had the time. I'd like to do more mentoring. I'd like to do more charity work. I'd love to do more stuff with animals and wildlife and travel the world and meet amazing people and have amazing experiences. And actually, you have to the, stop working too hard, didn't we? I know. Well, the thing is, though, as well, we've done all that through Grenade, which has been great. So, mm. it's Grenade's been a brilliant facilitator in terms of actually us doing things. So, yeah. You know, there's, we're in 80 countries, so I can pretty much go any country in the world and find a reason to go there. Yeah. We'll have a distributor or a retailer or, yeah. or whatever. So it, it's, it's been good, good excuse to go it's places. And we've, <laughs> yeah, and we've done loads of stuff with the military, which has been a real passion of mine. So I can always find an excuse to go and do military stuff or jump out of planes or jump in tanks and crush cars. And I've got some guys <laughs> that let me use explosives and stuff, um, more for all them, which they won't ever let me do again. I can guarantee the last time. <laughs> um, but I can always, it's, it's been a, a really good way to have fun and meet meet nice people definitely yeah the, the branding um I've, i read an interview you did and you you were making a lot of sense when you're talking about the branding and that'll from, be a first yeah yeah well i just <laughs> it wasn't me that was talking no <laughs> no i'm pretty <laughs> it's sure probably jules they were making sense the, the branding itself is like it's unusual right and but yeah. you were saying in this interview that that's the point is like it's it deliberate. gets your yeah. attention right yeah um, and it's something you don't think about often. And I know in certainly in the sports nutrition market, which I'm familiar with, there's not a lot of that. But also no. even on like the like local shop market, supermarket shelves, local shop, convenience stores, petrol stations, that's not all that attention grabbing either. No, so when we talk, sorry, when we talk about um, like um, that hand-to-hand combat getting that space yep. on the shelves... Is that why you think it's a success or is it a combination? That, of that's a bits? big factor. I mean, yeah. for me, the name and the look is kind of all that matters. We still get it a lot now, especially from bigger businesses, and they just don't get it. Yeah. You know, they're saying, oh, we don't really get the grenade name or, you know, when but we did that. you don't have to, right? No, exactly. They just completely missed the point. Yeah. But that's why a lot of the bigger businesses are struggling and we're not. You, we've got a brand that people have an opinion on. Yes. It doesn't yeah, yeah. matter if they like us or not. They've got an opinion. If you've got a brand and no one has an opinion, no you don't have a brand. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, we had um, we we drove a tank through London a couple of weeks ago, and a PR agency uh, contacted. Pretty sure you're not allowed to do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, you take. Can you do that? You, um, <laughs> it's a good point in the sense that they can't really stop you. Well, if you ask tank, permission, yeah, they'll they say no. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's one of those grey areas again. But yeah, if you ask, we don't ask to do it because they can't actually stop us oh, unless so you ask. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you just say, do you mind if I drive a tank through London? Uh, yeah, we do actually mm. because of X, Y, Z. So we just turn up and it's too late. Then yeah. we got pulled over three <laughs> times, three times by the police. They all wanted a picture. Um, I think did one of them want any but they loosely wanted some paperwork which we had yeah. but they just want the picture really yeah, yeah. and they sent me a lovely message saying thanks so much we had a crap week yeah. and you really made us laugh and, yeah. and um, can we enter the competition um, so uh, yeah we drove a tank through London and then one of these PR and we had a million PR agencies contacted afterwards and one of them said yeah really good loved it we're all talking about it we don't really know why you did it and you think, well, you're all talking about it. Just me yeah. And like, yeah, but you know, what's the call to action? Does there have to be a call to action? Mm. I reached 10 million people for 10,000 pounds. 
I don't need them to go and run out and do something. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty sure it paid for itself. Mm. Yeah. And you just think, if you have to enter these conversations with people, they just don't get it. Yeah. And, I'm, I'm t- and to be honest now, I'm kind of at a stage of life where, where you know, I'm, I'm 42 and I just can't be bothered to explain it if they don't really get yeah. it. And you think, I don't need them to get it. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> and the team here <laughs> and get fun. it. And yeah. lots of people get it. Yeah. So, um, and, and interesting now, branding has come on leaps and bounds in the last 10, 15, 20 years. And you can, if you imagine walking down a supermarket aisle, you know, perhaps 20 years ago, and you've got, uh, you know, let, uh, the Kellogg's or Cadbury's or whatever, and just the, and Coke, and, you know, loads of great brands and the branding's as is. And then probably the first I remember will be like the likes of Innocent coming along. Mm, And they've got a cheeky, playful way of talking to consumers that they like. And they've got a good message and it's healthier. Um, They're the first one I remember. I think, God, this is different. Now, everyone kind of looks like Innocent in the sense of greys and all that. In the sense, it's all very good but it's all the same. So I think branding's gone from... It's all very safe as well, isn't it? Like yeah, it's, yeah like it is. It's all fresh, very... Yeah, um, yeah, especially there's lots of koalas and little animals on mm. things and, you know, the so-and-so excellent whatever it is company and blah, blah, blah. And it all sounds like it's been designed by two people in the kitchen. Mm. Lots of it probably has. Lots of it hasn't and has been looked... Uh, has been made to look like it's been designed by two people in the kitchen, but it's really been designed by you know, a a massive conglomerate somewhere. Um, And I think with Grenade, we've just always got that cut through. We're very consistent. And and the the quality is always really consistent. And the message is consistent. And we always have fun. And we always stay true to the brand and stay true to our roots. And I think whatever happens with all kind of the the regular big FMCG brands or the the nice, cute and fluffy brands, we've just always got that individuality and and it's protectable what we've got. You know, that logo is protectable and it kind of, you know, we're really making it mean something. So we've had, you know, big US um, uh, companies look at us, you know, over the various investment rounds and just said, oh yeah, we don't, we, we just don't like the name. I'm fine. And then they come back and go, actually, you know, we, we think the name's the best part about it. And you think, finally, yeah, it's taken them 10 years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but they finally start to get the fact that, but I think what's done that is millions and millions and millions of people buying it and they, they can't ignore the data. Yeah. And you, know, yeah. you were saying earlier about, for instance, did you chase Tesco? I sent Andrew one email from Tesco and he never replied six months later. So I just carried and did my own thing. Yeah. Yeah. He replied six months later to that very email and said, do you want to come in for a chat? I can't ignore it. And I, he said, do you want to come in for a chat? And I still, you know, why now? And he said, I can't ignore you any longer. Yeah. And I think, to be honest, that's the thing with an entrepreneur and a brand. People don't have to like you or agree with what you're doing. If you like what you're doing and you're not doing any harm and you're having fun, you're growing a business and you can see a path, follow the path. And then at some point, everyone else will catch up, follow you, or you'll ultimately just run them over. Yeah. Um, but I, I think, yeah, we've always been quite good at sticking to our guns and doing what we, we feel is right. And like I said before, making good decisions for the brand. Um, this um, we need to talk about something else. These, um, is it you getting rid fudge, of Rick and no, no, partnering no, with no. me? No, no, no. Although we'll talk <laughs> we'll about that. that afterwards. Oh yeah, we'll do that. Uh, so these what? fudge brownies. <laughs> what? Hello. Just pretend we're not. You're not here, remember? <laughs> two things: fudge brownie shake. Yeah. And the banana armor shake. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm on like a one a day habit. Okay. Yeah, they are good, aren't but they? Yeah, the fudge are, brownie ones. Yes, yeah, it is good. Like, that's Brand bang out of order. Yeah, <laughs> to the that's... point where I've had to double check the label like a couple of times. Oh yeah, everything. Because that I, is. Do, what is do, it? Two. It's two ninety calories or something. No, it's under two hundred. It's about one hundred ninety-four. They're all under two hundred calories. I know. 
it, and again, it's it's the reduction in sugar. So we, the the target for that was the the, the milkshake fridge. Yeah. So we took them fridge, and just said. You can't make it taste like this. I'm like, well, that's impossible because that's got 55 grams of sugar in, and you're gonna have like if less people than are listening 5%. and haven't tried one. They've got they've got to try one because yeah. I, I've got like protein powder that that you mix in. You can put milk in it or whatever you want, and it's it. And now I'm like, well, just why would I do that? Because that's more it's, calories than just it's having. So a, easy. I mean, and the only and yeah, cake. completely green. I mean, I I put powder. In my, I do a shake in the morning with oats and frozen fruits and stuff. And I put, we've got a, a whey protein, um, which is patented, actually got Hydra 6. And I put my powder in that. That's the only powdered shake I have all day for exactly the same reason. Yeah. I just, I've, I chuck a couple of those shakes um, with me and you've always got one. And again, yeah. just cold, they're just so easy. But yeah. it doesn't feel like a, like... Protein shakes used to feel like a bit of a not punishment, but like a necessity. I know what they did. Yeah. Chug it now it's like you're yeah. training. You're like, give me one of them. Like, well, that that's the whole thing about, and and this was one of the reasons again we developed the bars and the shakes is the amount of people that just said to me, well, it's not supposed to taste nice because it's good for you. How many times have you heard that? All right, who I'm made like, that up? Yeah. Someone made that up that made something that tasted shit. I can guarantee <laughs> yeah, it yeah. said that it's and it's stuck. Taste, yeah. yeah, fisherman's friend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not supposed to taste <laughs> nice. Okay. Um, what, yeah, can it taste nice, please? Um, I used to have in the night. Oh, you guys are lucky because I'm older than you. When back in the nineties, you want to try the shit that we drank then? I had a protein shake that was that bad. I was sick drinking it. And then, it's like, good for me. I was, it's good for me. yeah, honestly, yeah. that bad. And um, they used to be glass bottles, didn't they? Like, yeah, and, and, and the thing, and then, and then the ones that did taste really nice were because there was 50 grams of sugar in yeah. them. Um, and then, yeah, we come along and we've got the taste, and then we've made, we've made them. Um, Do they sell, you sell like, yeah, the shakes not, did really, really well. They're not the, that um, old, are they? The shakes are probably a couple of years Two old. Years um, yeah, yeah they're uh, again. I mean, I think the probably issue we have with the shakes is they can be sold ambient because fridge space in a in a supermarket is extremely competitive because yeah. obviously you've got milk and everything in there, and we outsell most of that stuff. We've got the data to prove it, but then retailers are really slow at taking out the stuff that doesn't sell and putting you in there. So it takes a couple of years and it's happening now. I think Morrison's were one of the first to give us a lot of chiller space. Um, in the in the fridge, but yeah, they can be sold ambient, which is fine. But they're so much better chilled. But most things yeah. are, you know, warm yeah. coke's not as nice as cold yeah, coke, is it? So yeah. a warm beer. Yeah. So um, yeah, part of it's just fridge space being competitive. Um, and again, we I had one this week actually. We do get a little bit of we get some odd comparisons from consumers, and it's like, well, I like your protein shakes, and this this is actually this was about a protein bar. He goes, oh, um, your protein bars are too expensive. I think, yeah, okay, fine. Um, you know, compared, compared to what? what yeah. yeah, compared to a massive bag of online cheap powder he'd bought mm. on the internet, yeah. as in gram for gram. We're like, okay. Um, you're not really comparing like with like because one of you is lug you're lugging around a 10 kilo bag of powder that you add water to and mix and is going to taste terrible. Mm. Um, but yes, that will be cheaper for 25 grams of protein than buying a protein bar retail from a petrol station. Yeah. Um, it, it just, it's just, I always think it's a bit of a weird comparison. And I said, it's a bit like jumping in a Formula One car to go to the shops and going, 
that's quite expensive on petrol. Yeah. <laughs> you know, versus a Fiat Panda. Yeah. Um, so consumers do that. And, and I, I, I got into like a bit of an online debate with him and um, he eventually sort of saw it, but I should just kind of just not probably Maybe not, entertain not some of these him, people. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we, we, we do get people make weird comparisons. Yeah. And it, it, it's a bit like, um, yeah, if you go and buy, you know, a shake, yes, it's cheaper if you go and buy a million of them, but you're not buying a million, you're buying one. And we get, we used to get a lot with distributors, you know, they'd go, um, oh, I'm a distributor, you know, can I buy your product? And we go, yes, and it's a container. Oh, I can't take a container. Okay, can you take a pallet? I can't take a pallet. Are you sure you're a distributor? Oh yeah, I want 10 boxes. Well, I use more than that a month, so as a, as a consumer. So I think you're a consumer. I don't think you're a distributor. Yeah. And in that, you know, and then it's like saying if you're, I wouldn't ring up Heinz and go, can I buy one tin of beans, please? And get the same price as Tesco. Yeah. But people kind of think that's how it works. Yeah. Um, so uh, yes, the shakes do well to answer your question. <laughs> very, very, very long winded way. Sorry, I got carried away then. Um, but yeah, no, shakes do really well. And, and again, it, for, for me, it was a, a, a bit of a, an obvious decision because actually, post-workout I've always had a shake yeah um before bed I tend to always have a shake I don't want to finish training and have a bar loads of people do but I'm never hungry after a workout I'm always more thirsty so again that was designed by something I'd I'd always done and and wanted to do and we know when it's really hot weather a shake's just nicer than a bar it's cold weather a bar's probably better so um we thought this way people can um you know take the pick bar shake Nice. Do you eat anything at all? <laughs> yeah, grenade <laughs> yeah, protein bars. Very often, as, yeah, very often <laughs> as well, though. For going to petrol, the amount of times I've bought my own stuff. Yeah. So annoying. Yeah, yeah. So annoying. Petrolations are a funny one because they have been for years and still are to a degree just shit for buying any kind of healthy food. It's getting a lot better. It is getting yeah, better, it's getting a lot better. Um, still, you go in there and they, and I mean, they've got like weirdly, I mean, who's buying these like meatballs that are just like. Loads of them have got see, like packaged meatballs. You see a lot of like beef jerky, really, don't you, and things like yeah, that, which exactly, I suppose is yeah, still yeah. relatively healthy, right, but right, very you processed. Get, like, three bits in yeah, a packet. Very, yeah, and it's not the sort of thing, I don't dislike it, but I don't want to buy it. It's yeah. a bit weird like that. You get Dairyly Lunchables, you can always I know. find them. Oh, then, you do. And yeah. then like a moody chicken sandwich, yeah. like you yeah. say. Other, is, other processed meat and cheese snacks are available. Yeah, yeah not a petrol station. Probably aren't, actually. I think as well, I'm trying to avoid stuff as well i'm trying to keep the processing to minimum of anything i eat because it's not just it's not just what's in it it's how it's been treated and i know for instance like you know with our shakes um where i've visited the facility out in austria it's unbelievable i mean you know the lakes there are drinking water quality yeah i mean i'm not sure our drinking water here is drinking water quality (laughs) um and you know we could you could get a drink and I could, we could name the cow that's provided the milk for it. Yeah. You know, it's just, but that's all the stuff that, and then, you know, it's all informed sport tested. So we test for parts per billion for impurities. None of this we need to do, but it's all in there and it definitely makes a, a difference to the end results. Yeah. And I like the fact that I know it's there. And I think that's just one of those things there with a brand where when you ingest something, it really builds trust. And lots of other companies have been doing this for years. Oh, we use the finest ingredients. And you think, no, you don't. Mm. Uh, you know, or how many times have you been to a restaurant and go, oh, we only use the finest ingredients. And you go, well, I sort of take that. I, I would hope you are yeah. Yeah. if I'm coming to restaurants and, and buying food because they're never going to go, oh, we just use the cheap shit. That's 14 days out of date. Yeah. So it always seems a bit odd when people say they use yeah. the best ingredients because you just think, well, 
yeah, that's like a bare minimum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so we've never really talked about ingredients quality because I just think hopefully it's obvious. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we, we are going to probably talk more about the specifics, about, like, you know, naming the cow. I think some of this stuff, we should probably have a, a competition where we have consumers, like, sending one of our drinks. I mean, we go and we go, we, I, I put a little webcam on and we go and find the cow <laughs> and hope it's not... <laughs> it's been, just you and Robert yeah. Love. Just <laughs> <looking> <laughs> just, you know, sounds a little bit creepy. We say it like that, yeah, off, we're off to find the cow. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, we go, there's me, you're like, yeah, wading through an Austrian lake. <laughs> Here it is. <laughs> I'm like, okay, Daisy, Daisy, Daisy. Um, but I, I do like the fact with this dairy, they've got, like, a thousand suppliers that supply milk. This is Austria, milk. yeah. This is Austria, they're supplying milk. And um, some of the farmers have got like 10 cows and some have got thousands, but you yeah. know, some have got 10 and they all, they milk, they pick the milk up every day. The operation that goes into it is just yeah. mind blowing. Um, but I think that's kind of grenade all over in the sense it's actually, it looks really simple at the consumer end and the retail end, but it's ridiculously complicated leading yeah. up to it. What well, thinks the, why it works. In the States, um, how long have you been trading there for? Uh, we've been in the US for... Oh, since probably about 2012, I think now. So almost, well, not by accident, because we did trademark it there. But then what happened there was we had, we did a show in the UK and some Americans came over and we're standing over the tank and they like military stuff and they oh, were absolutely yeah. blown away by, uh, by the product and, and whatever. And they happened to send it to a guy called Bob Emelian, who was the buyer at GNC in the t- at the time in the US. And then this was like, you know, three and a half thousand stores, the biggest specialty bricks and mortar retailer in the world. And, you know, certainly kind of like, you know, the, the holy grail for US retail for sports yeah, nutrition yeah. at the time. And um, he'd been the buyer for weight loss for 20 years. And he said, he sent us an email and he's, he's exact, I've still got it actually, his exact email was, I've been sent your product, I get sent 120 products a week across my desk, yours stands out you know, shall we talk? And I thought, great. And then there's me and my wife at home with no warehouse in our spare bedroom and the buyer for GNC. And at the other end, I thought, yeah, all right, let's, well. yeah, <laughs> might as well. So I thought, let's make this work. So yeah, I had to go about making the product there. Um, what year was that? That would have been probably 2012 and this would be thermodetonator. Okay, so yeah, right, still sure. in there, still selling, been in there for years. Um, but the, yeah, that's how it started. And oh, and it did go into the GNC? Yeah, it did. It took us a year to get it in right. because I, I mean, bearing in mind, you know, I don't think we were in GNC in the UK at that point, yeah. um, which is actually the same name, but two separate companies oh, yeah. who hated each other. Um, so it was like a franchise that got sold. But the, um, yeah, so we, we had to figure out, you know, getting a US manufacturer, US distributor, funding it. And, um, and yeah, we did all that actually through, uh, through Universal. This is where... Again, being in the industry for 20 years helped. Yeah. So I just, I just know and knew a, a lot of people. And even the US trademark, which we didn't have at the time, um, someone else had got it. So we were going to call it something else. Yeah. And we spent about three, four, five months going around with different names. And in the end, I just, and everyone said, you'll never be able to get the guy to sell you this trademark for the name. And it was, they got it trademarked for a drink that they weren't selling. But it was for a company called Nature's Best, and I used to be a Nature's Best distributor. So I just rang up um, Hal, who was the owner at the time. He sold it now, and said, "Oh, you won't really know me, but I used to sell your stuff in the UK, you know, via these this this other importer." And um, this comes back to that relationship building, you know, not mm-hmm. burning bridges. And I said, um, "You know, we're a really small company in the UK. 
I know that you're not doing anything with that name. Like, I haven't got any money, but can I buy this name off you? And he came back with a silly number. And we haggled him down to nothing, basically. She's got no money. And uh, I can't really remember why or how. Uh, and I haggled him down to nothing. But it was all along the lines that we haven't got any money and I can't pay that and blah, blah. And, you know, we, we can call it something similar, but I want to do this the right way and, and stuff. Anyway, we bought the trademarks. We got Grenade in the US, which everyone said that you'll never do. Yeah. And then, ironically, about three months later or six months later, he came to the UK just on a business trip. And he obviously saw us in the UK market. And I'd, I'd gone along this whole, we're a really tiny company. It's me and my wife and we trade from home. And he just sent me a one-line email that said, yeah, Grenade isn't a small company. <laughs> and then he was, because he'd obviously gone in and seen us in all the GNC yeah, stores yeah. and stacked up to the ceiling in Holland and Barrett, only with one product, but again, really punching above our weight. And he just thought, again, we were massive. We'd kind yeah. of always duped him. But to be fair, we, we hadn't. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it, very yeah interesting. But again, there's probably a bit of a theme developing of, you know, you'll get told a lot as an entrepreneur with businesses, oh, you can't do that. Oh, yeah, don't do that. It's not possible. And actually, I started to do it to this friend of mine last night over his business, and I stopped myself. And I said, look, it doesn't matter what I think. You know, I'm not sure this, that, you know, this is a thing, what, what, what you're talking about. But it, it, if you go, want to go and do it, go and do it. If it doesn't work, just make sure if you fail, you fail quickly and you learn. Um, and, you know, that was kind of, that's how we, we ended the conversation because I was almost going to try and talk him out of it, but that's yeah. what people did to me. Yeah. But then again, you'll always get people trying to talk you out of doing stuff. You yeah. no one's, if you really want it, you Yeah, listen, of course. And, and, you know, and uh, the thing is, well, I think, because people are generally quite scared. Um, and I like, as I said before, you know, being out of my comfort zone and having a bit of that fear. But I think a lot of people, you know, friends of my dad included, I've spent their whole life kind of quite scared of doing stuff in case of failure. And, yeah. and again, just being content with doing a lot less, which is fine, but that's not me. Um, and I think that, yeah, you know, at some point it's, it's just sad if you spend your whole life not doing stuff because you're scared of what might, what might happen well, rather than think about what might happen if this works and, and goes well. Yeah, so yeah. my dad used to say to me, oh, but what if that doesn't work? Oh, but what if that happens? But what if, you know, I used to go, but, yeah, does, but what yeah. if it does? Mm. Yeah, so it just, I became probably then probably switched off to listening to people to a certain extent who weren't telling me what I wanted to hear. I think yeah. you have to, though, to a degree. <laughs> yeah, you do. You? Like, You'd never do anything. Would yeah, you never leave the yeah. house in the morning? Yeah. And I think, to be fair, that's the thing, you know, with not wanting to get into politics and stuff, but I think that's the thing with various governments, you know, whoever you're for and against, all this stuff with Brexit. They just, they just love us to be terrified. We said this. They love this. The and it's just, they, yeah, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. So they just, and I think it's probably, I suppose, you know, if a government has to, I don't want to say control the population, mm. but certainly where you have to maintain law and order and whatever, I think if they just keep everyone absolutely shit scared of what yeah. might happen, we're all going to starve to death by like the 1st of November, um, then it's probably easier to run the country. But yeah, what if we don't starve to death on the 1st of mm. November and, you know, what if all of a sudden, you know, we've been doing it for hundreds and thousands of years. Yeah. Yeah. What if the UK does maybe survive on its own without yeah. the rest of Europe? Yeah, um, are, yeah, right. yeah, it just so I just hate all the negativity yeah. and, and all the bullshit. So a lot just, of noise, isn't there? There's a lot of noise. Well, the thing is, it gets to the point now, I don't want to turn the radio on, I don't want to read the newspaper, I'm not interested in watching the news. And I get yeah. the fact that the bad stuff makes the news and that's the headlines, but it's all bad stuff. Why yeah. do we never put really good stuff in? Yeah. And, and I think part of it is people aren't interested in good stuff because no. they just like to generally be negative. Mm. Um, so I try and avoid that. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go more. 
um, back to the sale. We didn't we didn't fully cover um, when you, the last round of selling all the shit, all not all the shares. Sorry, it was majority of the shares. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. When did that take a long time to put that deal together? Yeah, so it was probably it was probably about six months right. for an investment process. And if anyone's ever did been, did you find through, that stressful? Yeah, that's really stressful. Um, that's a real roller coaster. Yeah. Um, probably one well, of the like hardest things I've been through. Yeah, it, it's very on off, on off. It's very invasive. Yeah. Did you really want to do it, or did you find yourself questioning? Do well, I want to do this? Um, I think. I mean, yes, because I think you know we'd had a brilliant three years with Grove Point, and I think all the benefit that they could add, they'd added at that point. Yeah. So I think we were ready for someone who'd got a lot more brand experience, which Lion have, because Lion have only, only invested in consumer brands. Yeah. So if you think of like, you know, Orangina, GHD, Jimmy Choo, Kettle, the potato chips, Orangina. Weetabix. I'd take on Yeah, so, so, that, yeah, so they've, they've, they've owned all of that, um, yeah, right. you know, over the last 10 years. So, and, you know, brands are brands, so they, they definitely know a lot about consumer brands so i think yeah we were absolutely ready to get a, a, a fresh partner hit the reset button and go again and again learn and see what we we didn't know and they've been super helpful in terms of all the experience that they've had with other brands bigger and more internationally and who so they've known they do? They, like, how does that actually work they send like a team of people in to help like yeah, yeah so you get like work the, here or generally the people that you do the deal with yeah um and in this case there were three Actually, subsequently, two have left. But the yeah, people you do the deal with, that's the team that you'll probably work with post-deal. So right. you get to know each other. They get to know the business. And generally, the people that do the, the, the M&A, um, you know, the acquisition, they're the ones that kind of fall in love with the business. Yeah. And, and it's got their name attached to it. So yeah, they, want to they, they want to carry on and make right. sure it's successful, you know, which, which it has been. Um, so, but I mean, yeah, it's really hard. I mean... Yeah, You've obviously got to keep growing the business, and as well as keep growing the business, you've got the extra however many hours of due diligence. Because if someone's going to come in and spend, you know, in Lion's case, seventy-two million pounds, they've got to make sure that, you know, the day after that deal is done, that there wasn't something hiding under the carpet that they didn't know about. Yeah. So you can imagine, yeah. all, you know, any contract, all the stuff's got to be future-proof with suppliers. Um, all your processes have to be in place. You know, and again, they want to get to know the team and because you know they're they're backing the people because they're not going to come and run the business. Yeah, you know they're 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 investing in the business, so they've got to find out you know pros and cons of of the, the management team. Um, and I think you know really drill you hard as to the plans, and I think they're trying to work out you know if, if you're backable as an entrepreneur. Mm, yeah. And I think certainly it was easier for Lion to come in to see if we were backable because Grove Point had come in and backed us, and Grove Point yeah, has done very course, well. Yeah. So you get the the, the credibility been through this, that process yeah, as well. Yeah, this comes yeah. this comes back to my point of you know we got to where we got to through our various rounds, and it's 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 worked for us with investment. But yeah, if you've never had any, you probably wouldn't go through all the due diligence and due diligence and processes so you're almost like auditing yourself right yeah. um which is actually yeah, horrible yeah, but yeah. quite a good thing yeah. to do because you've got you've got a better business at the other side of it because everything's current and you just be surprised little silly things that you probably should have as a business that you don't have yeah, yeah. Um, so it makes you look for everything and uh, and, and as well you know if if they're going to come and invest in the business and the founders are going to take shares they're potentially going to make people wealthy that weren't wealthy before yeah um, they've got to actually see and try and work out what that does to the individual because I'm just 
the same really with or without money I've, I've i've had no money i've had money you know so it's i just try and be consistent and humble and work hard and yes you might go and buy a newer car but you know i've, I've, yeah. I've got i've got all sorts of cars to be honest but i mean i yeah I, I, favorite one now um <laughs> i'm really into four by fours i've got um i have got a nice um, lamborghini um hurricane performante but I had a Lamborghini before the Grave Point deal, so it was. It didn't really. Uh, I've had two white ones and a grey one, but the. Okay. Um, I've had zero. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> zero it, Lambo. But the thing, this is just stuff, and yeah, it's very yeah, nice. Yeah. But if you're unhappy, and then you just add stuff, you, you, just you're no happier. Yeah. yeah, you're no happier, no happier. So I said that's the stuff, the icing on the cake. Yeah. Um, you know, if it's going to pick between a nice car and your health, you'd pick your health, wouldn't you? Yeah, so you need go, yeah. to have health and happiness before you start getting other stuff. But uh, yeah, they were growth point, for instance, in 2014, we're trying to work out, you know, if, if is he going to go uh, off the rails? Yeah. Is he going to go off the rails? Cause it's all pe- people, pe- pe- people do. People again, yeah. People right? do. Mm-hmm. People do. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I've got a very, very addictive personality and I try and attach it to positive things like, you know, work or good stuff. Yeah. You know, if I was a drinker and a smoker or, you know, wanted to go and take drugs with an addictive personality, I'd be in all sorts of trouble. Yeah. So that sort of stuff, you know, just doesn't interest me, luckily. So... Have you ever gone down that path? No, like, never. Doesn't, never lit a cigarette. Doesn't yeah. interest me. My parents never smoked. Um, my mum will drink a little bit. My dad's never drunk. I can take it or leave it. Yeah. Probably drunk more in the last year than I've ever drunk. But... It still can yeah. take it or leave it. I'm not You're, one of these people that just has to have a, a yeah. drink. I, I assume that as well that if people um, become like financially very secure and or, or just very successful in terms of how much money, like they get a buyout, payout, big payout. Some people will probably lose their drive as well. Mm. Like I imagine yeah, that happens definitely. a lot, and they're just yeah. like, "What am I yeah. working? Yeah, Why definitely. am I here?" I think that's really, really common with founders in these type of yeah. businesses. And I think, frankly, Jules and I are really unusual in the sense, but it's discipline. If yeah. you, cause it, yes, it'd be easy to stay at home and just not get out of bed, but we're just not those type of people. And, um, yeah, we're, we're really unusual in, in these industries cause uh, yeah, lots of other people just kind of sail off into the sunset. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. But one thing I've noticed about the people all sail off into the sunset is with this industry, they all come back. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. They all come back. So, and you think why? But a lot of it, they purpose, miss. They maybe. miss the drive, the purpose. Mm. They think they can do it all again. I don't think anyone's done it twice. Yeah. So I think for me, if I leave, I'm gone. Yeah. I don't want to kind of come back. Yeah. Um, Lots of people keep a foot in, don't they? Like boxes do it, yeah. don't they? I've yeah. retired. Tears yeah. out their back. Yeah. And, and and some of it as well is if you if you're working like you know we work in this business, I haven't really got the time to go and spend money and do stuff because yeah. I'm you know I know where I'm going to be all year yeah. if all of a sudden you aren't and you just go off spending and you can imagine certainly with you know taking box is a good example they've probably accumulated potentially a lot of money quite quickly mm. the, the discipline it takes to acquire wealth requires actually more discipline in terms of not spending it mm. yeah. so um, I mean I think what was Mike Tyson worth when he was 20 300 million mm. and he'd got no concept at all of what things were worth because someone would go do you want to buy his watch for 50 million dollars okay then Mm. Yeah. because it just seems like a bargain well. yeah, yeah. Um, whereas and again I think they surround so how them how much he was worth Th- about 300 million he was it was about 2021 20, something like that but then he went bankrupt and you think how do you spend that but yeah. they do yeah. yeah. and I think a lot of it they surround themselves with what they think are their friends yeah. 
They employ all their friends. Yeah, he's spoken and actually, quite widely about that, I think. Yeah, yeah, well, you think as well, your friend probably isn't the best manager. Yeah, he's yeah. probably not the best accountant. Yeah. You know, your friend probably isn't necessarily, you know, the best hairdresser. Just yeah. go and get competent professionals. Yeah. Back to the point again, don't employ your friends. Yeah. Um, but they all do that. And I think, um, yeah, you know, to, to your point in terms of, um, you know, the acquisition of, uh, of, of wealth or whatever, you're dealing a lot of discipline. I mean, I've spoken actually on podcasts about this before. Um, I'm really pleased that Jules and I have worked really hard in terms of making money because um, we, we've absolutely got our hands dirty and yeah. everyone, I think, can see that. Yeah. But whereas... If you just won money or inherited money, you see it all the time pe- people hate winning, that. Yeah. They yeah. hate that. And they, you know, and they call it the curse of the lottery. So imagine mm. if one day you're skinned, the next day you've got 10 million quid and you've never done you've never done anything for other than buy a lottery ticket. Yeah. And it sounds amazing, but I I actually know people that have won the lottery and they've all said the same thing. It's hideous. Mm. Yeah. Lose all the family and friends, but probably trying to do good things. Yeah. Um, and actually one guy, in fact, he they <laughs> It was um, from my old unit. It was the neighbours. They won the lottery. But they got six balls. But it was, um, it was when there were a lot of winners. It was a, yes, it was yeah. a, it was a, a freak uh, week. Mm. And there were like 122 people that shared it or something. And it was, um, it was actually quite interesting because they were saying specifically that, what, that they, when they claimed their prize... And he was like, I can't believe this, like win the lottery and there's all these people here. Yeah. And the guy that was from Camelot at the time said, oh, were you in a hurry when you bought the ticket? And he said, yeah, how do you know that? He said, because everyone in this room was in a hurry when they bought the ticket. And he said, how can you tell? And he said, by the numbers that were chosen. And it was the way that they'd gone across the form. It was a very common, no yeah, it was a very common set of numbers if you just went in and just kind of went across certain lines it, and, yeah. and, and picked oh, wow. the numbers. And that week, those numbers came up and therefore everyone won. Anyway, they went and blew the lot in Vegas and it was hundreds of thousands of pounds. And he said, I'm really glad we didn't win more because we'd be dead. Yeah. Was his exact words. Because what you said, would it just, he, said, he was drunk for like a year. Right. Yeah. But then there's that discipline thing, you see. So imagine, you know, someone comes in, Lion Capital come in, Vest Allen, Juliet Barrett, lovely. I then develop, so I turn in some, you know, mad, crack whatever, head, crackhead. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Whereas as it is, I'm just a moderate crackhead. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, just go off on some drug-fueled drinking yeah. binge around the world on private jets. You've spent your money in three weeks and the business has gone down the pan. Was that ever, when, when the sale had gone through, money's in your account, was that ever like a conversation you had with yourself like... Or was it just natural? You always knew. Nothing's no, we've really always been, we've always been disciplined. We've re, we've always tried to be the same people because I think yeah. Uh, yeah, I think humility and um, and that's just it's a really underrated and unusual uh, character trait. Yeah. And yeah, you know, everyone can have the moments if you catch them on a, a bad day. But yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, that's what I like about the likes of um, Richard. And again, I've seen probably you know um, him react well to things and not so well to things. But uh, you know, if someone's just a nice bloke. What car they drive, what they've got, just makes no difference. Yes. Yeah, you know, yeah. I know people who are very wealthy and lovely people. I know people who are absolutely skins and vile, and and, and the reverse. Yeah. So I just think you know, money shouldn't turn nice people into monsters, and 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 vice versa. So I do think that you know, if and like I said, we don't consider ourselves successful, but I do think if you or we become successful or more successful let's say i do think you've got a responsibility to try and employ people yeah. and to do good things with it yeah. and to 
um, yeah, probably leave the world a slightly better place than you, you found it. So, uh, you know, if, if time allows. So I, I do think people should try and do that. I don't just want, you know, trying to wrap it all up in trust funds for generations, especially for kids that I don't have. So I'd rather yeah. try and, you know, use it and, and do something with it. So I do think everyone's got responsibility of doing that. Um, definitely. Did you ever have the Lamborghini as a material goal, as a, as, as a drive? I did actually, because I've always liked them. And then back to the discipline point, um, I'd never bought one because I'd always, I could always think of something, frankly, more constructive to do with, yeah. with, with the money. And ironically, in the end, it was, it, was, it was Jules that talked me into it and also my accountant. Right. So um, I must have gone into the dealership about five times and walked out five times. Part of it was because on two or three occasions, they really tried to sell me one. Right. And I don't like being sold to. Yeah. So, and actually, we do that with Grenade. We never run around trying to sell stuff. So all we really try and do is probably solve a problem that people don't necessarily know they have and just create a solution for it. And if we can help them with that, then brilliant. But we don't run around selling. I just don't believe in it. Right. We don't employ any salespeople. Wow, um, really? Yeah, I mean, we've got like account managers, but they're just managing relationships. They're not like, you know, it's not hard-nosed selling, trying to hit targets. Parts, yeah. yeah, I just don't believe in it. But yeah, so um, I yeah went into the dealership a few times and then one specifically tried to sell it to me, but he tried to sell it to me. I just wanted to go in and, and, and just buy it. I just got back to this point, not having finance, just wanted to buy it. And he said, oh, well, no one buys these. You know, he said like... What only one percent? Everyone here has it on finance or whatever. And he said, "Oh, it's cheaper on finance." Were his exact words, and I went, "Okay, I've got to hear this." So um, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, if, it, if so, so, it's, it's cheaper on finance than on than on um, cash. Then uh, yeah, carry on. And he went and he showed the numbers, and I was like, "Okay, well that's not cheaper." Yeah. He said, "Oh well, yeah, but it would be cheaper if you did something else with the money, and then the money you made somewhere else, and you put it back." And I was like, "Forget it." And I just, again, I walked out. Yeah. And um, the last time I went in and the, Chris, the current guy that's there, really gets it with probably entrepreneurs and people, you know, like me that want these sort of things. And I went in and I said, oh, I'm always coming back in here to, to look at these. And he, he said, like, it's a head and a heart thing. He said, do you really need one? And I said, no. He said, you really want one there, don't you? I said, yeah. And, um, and my accountant said, he said, Al, what's it all for? Just fucking go and get one. Yeah. So I did. And, I, and actually, and I, and ironically, what happened was the one I'd had my eye on for years, I went in to buy it and they discontinued it. So, and I was like, because I waited too long. Um, and uh, he said, yeah, you can't order one now. And then, uh, so I walked out again for the last time. <laughs> I you really I thought, wanted it then, didn't you? I really wanted it yeah. then, yeah. So that's the point. And this could have been a ploy by the sales guy, to be fair. About a week later, rang me up. He said, do you still want one? Oh, the yeah. oldest. The oh, no. Well, I think I fell for it. <laughs> that's only just twigged. And oh. I went, no. <laughs> he said, yeah. He said, I've got a cancelled order. And um, he said, do you want to come in and see it? It's coming in in a week. So and I went in to see it. I said, yeah, lovely. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. And um, yeah, it was just brilliant. And, yeah. um, you know, having, uh, having that. And um, again, yeah, it just ticked one of those boxes. Because I do think that, yeah, it doesn't make you a, you know, a better person, but you do have to have these little milestones. Yeah, and absolutely. lots of them, to be fair, tend to be doing things, having experiences, perhaps meeting people, going to certain places, you know, acquiring certain assets, developing certain skills. I do think you should tick these things along the way. Um, because otherwise, yeah, what's what's the point? You know, what's yeah. what's what's it all for? It looks pretty um, cool as well, doesn't it? So it does look quite cool. Well I'm really into cars. My <laughs> yeah, dad was yeah. a heavy goods vehicle mechanic, so right. he was uh, he was never into cars per se, but as a mechanic, I've always grown up around cars. And yeah, my dad was as well. Yeah, I, I'm not interested in how they work, um, but I, I've always loved 
cars, I still do them a bit of a petrol head. Right. Yeah. So um, hence why I, I've now I promised myself that I'm not going to sell any more cars. I'm only ever going to buy cars because I get attached to cars and I regret selling every car I've ever sold. Really? Yeah, I do. You said yeah. you like the four by fours. Yeah. So I like off roading and and stuff. I've got I've got fast cars and slow cars, um, but. I've got like just some big chunky four by fours that are just good oh, fun. So yeah, yeah. I've got actually I can't I really want to like a G wagon. I yeah, just can't. Okay. They just look too weird. Mm. I just think they're probably overpriced for what they are. Um, if I drove one, I probably love it, but they just always look like the wheels are just too small, and mm. I can't get my head around it. But the um, price tag on them is outrageous, isn't it? Y- yeah, price I, tag, I, I can't get my head around yeah, it. Yeah, yeah I can't, it, it's that value for money, and I know they hold the value well, um, but I, I, I tend to like Land Rovers because it's a local company. And I like their sense of adventure. Yeah. And I think it's, we've always tried to bear that in mind with Grenade, um, as well as having that sense of adventure and not taking themselves too seriously. And I think there's a, there's a good synergy between, say, Land Rover and Grenade in the sense that with both, people probably buy something that they, they want but they don't need. Yeah. No one really needs a 4x4 in the UK unless you've got a specific need for one. You don't even want to take kids to school. But people just like to know that they... They just feel they're more capable, for instance. Yeah. And I think, you know, yeah, no one needs to have a protein shake or a protein bar because you could make your own if you wanted to or, or whatever. But I think there's comfort there that we're really good at it and people feel comforted that the fact that they're, they're buying through a trusted company. Yeah. You know, the same was with um, uh, Land Rover. Or again, you know, you, why, why would someone buy a 200 mile an hour supercar? You can't do 200 yeah. miles an hour, but yeah. there's something nice about driving a fast car very slowly because you know it can go quick if you want it to, yeah, even yeah, though you're yeah. not allowed to. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of subliminal comfort with some of these things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're just, again, Land Rover exporting around the world. And I think probably having, and everyone's copied it, but they're just they're just the ones that have just got the icon for yeah. me. So I just, I, I like that. So I like Harley-Davidson as well. Yeah, exactly. I'm not into bikes, but yeah, that's a good example. Yeah. Um, they've just kind of... People probably make better bikes, you know, I don't know, but in terms Iconic, of what they are, yeah, yeah. yeah they've just... They, it, they it, sort of stand for something. Like, but it, it, it you look probably like you suit a Harley with that it's, bonnet. It's a yeah. goal of mine, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, it brings us full circle, brand. Yes. You know, brand, yeah. brands yeah. matter, yeah. and there are so few good brands. And then in terms of entrepreneurs, you know, there probably aren't that many entrepreneurs behind those brands because it's a very... Just it's a, just a unique, it's a rare market. Yeah. Uh, what would you say to um, someone looking to get into the sports nutrition industry now, considering the, that you've got all the customers? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I mean no, well, if you want to do it, absolutely do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, we we never take anything for granted, and I'd like to think that we try and reinvent ourselves constantly, um, just because you know we we never want to sit back on laurels and think you know we've cracked it because we don't feel we've cracked it so but you know competition certainly keeps everyone um, everyone on their toes but uh, you know it wasn't a good there's never a good time to enter a market no. if there's a good time to enter it why has no one else done it you know there's so the timing is the timing i'm a big believer in that it wasn't a, a good time when we entered it because it was growing but it was tiny yeah sure it um, must have been just, just yeah, after I mean, the recession as well now, right? now it's bigger okay it's more competitive but then there's a lot more people using it. Yeah. Um, so it, pro rat, it's probably about the same. Um, but yeah, you know, if you want to do it, absolutely do it. Provided I think you do it for the right reasons. I said, you know, we've we've never set out just to, you know, make money. For instance, mm. I'm sure most entrepreneurial businesses haven't. I'm sure a lot of the best businesses 
have just been started by someone who loves it, thinks it's a good idea, that's passionate about it. Yeah. And they haven't just set out to build a monstrous brand. Um, you know, with, with Richard, he just, you know, Virgin, he liked music, so yeah. open record shops, because yeah. he liked music, and they wanted to sit there and listen to music. And while they were sat listening to music, they thought, that's all of you. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, he never probably thought he'd set up with a monstrous global empire. So I think, yeah, you know, if that's the goal, great, head towards it, but you'll probably be disappointed if you, you know, set out with that as the goal. Mm. So I think just do something you enjoy, hopefully you're good at, um, have fun along the way and learn, and then, you know, may, may all your dreams come true in terms yeah. of where, where it ends up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we should finish it there because I know you're, uh, you've got to get out of here, but thanks again for having us. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks, no, thanks um, for coming in. So I hope the 27-hour round trip was worth it for you. <laughs> it really yeah. was. And Still yeah. to be rambling on about you know, utter no, shite. No, I took a lot from that, definitely. <laughs> yeah, so it's valuable. no one else did, fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so There's no one else listening. At least you two benefited there. That was a great use of my time speaking to two people for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no yeah. one listens to this <laughs> yeah. but Ladies and gents. No, us. you're welcome. No, thanks, guys, for the time. Brilliant. Wish you all the best with it. So there you have it, Alan Barrett. Thanks again to him for giving a couple of schmucks like us the time. Some great takeaways for uh, for us from Alan there. Just how normal he was for me was was really refreshing. I don't know why, but you put um, really successful business people on a bit of a pedestal and think think they're different, they're smarter, they're you know more intelligent, and it's just not the case. They're just probably more driven. Um, more persistent and maybe a little more focused so um focus for me was was definitely one there where he said about there's no point in chasing after 100 rabbits because you're never going to catch one focus on one catch that if it's not the right one let it go that made a lot of sense to me because i'm very guilty of that when you have a lot of interest you tend to chase around all of them um chris also saying to me afterwards about how in the first four years of his company he didn't really take a day off, didn't really take a holiday, wasn't going out at the weekends or anything like that. Chris said, now I want his level of success, but I've never actually done that myself. So talking to someone like him just makes you realise that they're, they're very focused in their mission. And I'm not saying it's for everyone, but if you are someone who's in business and you do want that sort of level of success, um, I think there's some great lessons in that. So thanks again for listening. If you're into it, please um, subscribe to the podcast. Please rate us and review us on iTunes, on Spotify, um, just because it helps us get more exposure. And if you want that Lamborghini, folks, you better work for it. More importantly, you should probably love what you're doing. And we will see you on the next podcast. Thanks again for listening. Take it easy.